yeah, 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 yeah. Matter how long it takes. Hey. Spiling up, just like a rich nigga staircase. No fly zone, please stay the fuck out my airspace. Niggas say things behind backs that they wouldn't dare say. Know it's on sight when I see you, I'm working at Squarespace. Yeah, top of the morning, I know that you thought I was dormant. Woke up early from shots that was swarming, a block from the Alps, not the cops in the orbit. Cause somebody got popped, now they knocking on doors, trying to find an informant. But I ain't seen Nathan, I'm minding my business, as God is my witness, the weapon gon' prosper that's forming against me. Nigga, I'm starving immensely. Know when I'm done with these songs, you gon' miss me. John Moran, I'm on my grizzly. You niggas just cuz, but no, not the ones in the big leagues. After the fall off, I promise I'm coming and selling our Wrigley's. Nigga. I'm just a product of poverty, full of narcotics to profit off quickly. My family tree got a history of users that struggle with demons, not really the hustle of instincts. Therefore, often my pockets was empty. So I summoned my partner was serving up rocks on the corners of project assemblies. Me, I was starting to envy. Wanna be on the top where it's plenty. Wanna be in a spotlight where every bitch want me like Rihanna dropping new Fenty. What I see in the sky, the villas of silly can't reach up too high evidently. Nah. I can't reach up too high evidently Never seen no one driving a Bentley I can't be out here mopping up Wendy's My life is all I have My rhymes, my pen, my pad And I done made it out The struggle don't judge me What you saying now won't budge me Cause where I come from so often People you grow with laying in a coffin But I done made it through the pain and strife Is my time now, my world, my life, my life What's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Jordan. And this is Desmond. And welcome to episode 48 of Two Black Nerds. That's right. It's that time once again for us to bring you our opinions and hot takes on all things fandom, pop culture, and entertainment. As always, you can find Two Black Nerds wherever you get your podcasts. Please make sure to hit that subscribe button and leave us a friendly rating and comment to show your support. And of course, join in on the conversation each and every week by following us on Twitter and Instagram at two black nerds. We appreciate that. Love y'all. And let's not forget to mention, you can head over to two black right now to order some merchandise. We got t-shirts, crewnecks, hoodies, stickers, mugs, everything you need. So go ahead and place those orders right now on today's show. We have plenty to get to, and especially some movie reviews, such as those who wish me dead. The latest film from Angelina Jolie today, be on HBO Max this past weekend. We also got to talk about the controversial Woman in the Window starring Amy Adams. We're also going to be talking about some Netflix shows, y'all, including The Circle and The Upshaws. And we're going to get into some music today, including J. Cole's brand new album, The Offseason, and Nicki Minaj's mixtape, Beam Me Up, Scotty, which has been made available on major streaming platforms, as well as some new music from her as well, as well as a bunch of other news that dropped this past week. But before we get to any and all that, we're going to start off today's show by talking about the ninth installment into the Saw franchise, Spiral from the Book of Saw. Play me. 
Hello, Detective Banks. Do you know where your officers are? Jigsaw? Wait, I thought the Jigsaw Killer was dead. He is. Find him. They're hours, not days. How can I catch this guy? If there's nobody on the bus, I can bust! You can't do this alone. Whoever did this has another motive. Something personal. When was the last time you saw your father? Jigsaw copycat. This is gonna go sideways fast. I'm a man like a spiral. All available units, officer down. That was just a diversion to get us out of the precinct. Spiral, 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 spiral. I need everyone on this case. <laughs> he could be anywhere. He could be anyone. We're gonna tear this city apart. I'm a little spin like a spiral. Hello, Detective Banks. When was the last time you saw your father? Now, this film is directed by Darren Lynn Boosman, and it's written by Josh Stolberg and Peter Goldfinger, and it's starring Chris Rock, Max Minghella, Marty Saul Nichols, and Samuel L. Jackson. So this film was supposed to come out a whole year ago. It was going to debut in theaters. Obviously, things had to go ahead and change because of the global pandemic, and it got pushed back an entire year. They did not sell it off to a streaming service. They didn't do sort of a day-and-date release with one of the major streamers. They held it off. Uh, somewhat surprisingly, I would say, for a theatrical theatrical release. And this, this movie's been in development for a few years now. Uh, this actually comes from Chris Rock sort of approaching Lionsgate with a brand new idea for this franchise. Um, he's made it known that he's been a big fan of the Saw franchise ever since the first movie from James Wan all the way back in 2004. And so he approached some of the executives at Lionsgate with a new idea, a new, a new spin on this franchise, so to say. And there comes Spiral from the Book of Saw that, that sort of birthed this new iteration of this franchise. So, man, with all that said, we went to the movies to go ahead and see this film to see how it was going to mm -hmm. turn out and what we thought of it. Let's go ahead and just kick it off, man. What did you think about Spiral? Spiral, 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 man. I, I appreciate, first and foremost, Chris Rock's ambition, you know. Uh, as as someone who's been in the industry a long time, long time comedian, he's you know he's began to make a switch recently and in, in things like Fargo and uh, even a series documentary like uh, Good Hair, you know things like that. So I appreciate you know any attempt um, of another serious project from him, man, just to see where his head is and even potentially where he's going after this. So that was, it was it's pretty cool to see this attempt at the Book of Saw in general for me. Um, the book of Saul, man, it it seeks Chris Rock's idea literally comes from why all the other songs suck. Um, <laughs> <laughs> even though I love the other songs, but as like complete movies, I mean, you may love the gore. You may love certain 
smaller storylines. But the things that suck about the other saws are the police stories, right? The cop stories are trash. Um, they're everyone's chasing jigsaw. Um, but the, we just don't care about the police officers. Um, they're kind of just plot devices to just keep the keep put more time on the clock is what it feels like um, in a lot of those other saw films. And Chris Rock seeks to turn um, that story on its head. He wants the cop story to be great, right? That's what the book of Saw is. Um, he he is uh, he, he's attempting to make it more story driven in a lot of different ways, right? He wants us to be interested in what the cops uh, have going on in the story. Um, and you know, without you know saying too much, this this um, specific cop storyline, it's um it succeeds in some ways with its ambition right uh there there is definitely more to the story than any of the other saws cop stories it has it that that part works um and of course not all the way but it had good intentions and again i appreciate that a lot um with with that cop story heightened uh the the priority of the violence and the traps in this movie tend to fall short throughout the film uh, maybe the ideas for traps aren't there anymore. I don't know. You know, that's like part of the Saw franchise, right? Um, everyone's like, okay, what crazy shit are they going to come up with to torture people with now? And this movie just felt unimaginative in a lot of ways. It felt like we went backwards in creativity in a, in a couple of those traps um, that they gave us. Maybe it's played out. I'm not sure, but the traps were just okay, right? Um, you know, the the... One of my biggest things with this entire film, um, we talked about this, I'm sure you agree, is there something that happens midway through that's just way too obvious of, <laughs> <laughs> of a plot point, right? It's just like, uh, is that the choice that y'all decided to make? Um, and yeah, that, I just really, really wish they didn't do that. Um, if you've seen the movie, you probably know, you might know what I'm talking about as well. I'm sure you do. Um, but I just really wish they didn't make that choice. Um you know, even though also even though they did attempt uh, to tell this story differently, it's not something that reels you in completely. Right. The characters are still underdeveloped in a lot of different ways. Um, and it, it just happens. The story just happens, in a lot, you know, and yeah, it, you know, it is what it is. It is what it is. Also, it happened a couple of times. The directing style is like decent at times, but it also changes sometimes. Like yeah. something will happen. You'd be like, was that stylistically the right move? But then it was like three different directing styles. I feel like I've seen throughout the movie. I don't know why that happened or why they, I think, I guess he was just trying to be different. I don't know. Um, but it was interesting to be like, huh, huh? I wonder why now we have a slow shot. You know what I mean? <laughs> it was yeah. like this weird slow motion. Let's stay on the face. I don't know. I I wouldn't have minded it if it was just more consistent, um, you know, uh, directing stuff out throughout the film. But um, again, long story short, man, uh, you know, Spiral attempted to to a fresh story, but it, it tipped the scales to the other side um, a little bit too much. Maybe. I don't know. The balance just wasn't there. And uh, for that reason, it's just OK. It's not a terrible movie. It's not a great movie. It's just OK. It's which which is funny because that's most of the other songs it's just okay and that is what spiral is man I, I i can't say i didn't enjoy it you know it was somewhat entertaining uh you know I, it was something to watch but a lot of it a lot of it is just there 
and uh, you know and and that's what i got from spiral man uh yeah 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 i think uh there, there's definitely to your point about like the the directing style mm-hmm. throughout the entire film i felt this push and pull of whether or not to create a completely new style for this specific franchise or to lean into what made it so famous Mm -hmm. um in the first place and the salt fan base is so loyal because people still show up for these movies even nine (laughs) iterations later it's crazy this franchise has been around for we're talking about 17 years now um so that's actually kind of crazy that they've made this many films and people still go to see them and they still make money and often what's worked is that they've been so cheap to make in the past that they can continue to justify the spend every year and make a new one every year because if they cost you know pennies on the dollar comparatively to some other movies but you're going to make a huge opening weekend then they can just keep churning them out um this mm-hmm. one decided to invest a little bit more money into it because there are some uh i think from like a production design standpoint obviously from the cast that's involved like they went after yeah. some star power um things are think it, it seems like a little bit more care was put into it in terms of like the the actual production design and the, the, the makeup and the effects and all these different things to, to sort of elevate it a little bit higher than what it's been associated with in the past. Um, but even with that said, you know, it doesn't really help out the movie all that much um, because it does have its problems completely throughout the entire story. You know, what's interesting, you know, to, to, to talk about your point with what Chris Rock was trying to do, you know, he, he wanted to make this a police procedural, you know, and this is mm-hmm. something that has obviously been a trope throughout uh, throughout movies and television for a very long time. It's, it's, it's really its own genre, right? So it mm-hmm. sort of fell within the ranks of like a Law and Order or a CSI or an NCIS, those types of stories where the point of view is taken from the, um, the, the, the perspective of the police department that's investigating this case. And it's, you know, it's right. a whodunit type of story. There's a copycat killer out on the loose, you know, that's, you know, sort of replicating the crimes of Jigsaw. Um, and, and all throughout that, I, I understood that that was the, the, the goal in mind. And it, it's clearly a film that's influenced a lot by David Fincher's Seven, because that film is also um, very mm-hmm. grotesque at times. It, it has some very shocking imagery some visual imagery of of a killer that is twisted and sadistic right and so Mm -hmm. even the first saw in and of itself is inspired by seven and i think james wan and lee wynell they made that pretty apparent like when they were writing that movie that they thought about seven a lot but it was it was still it was still different enough to make it its own unique thing that's why saw Mm -hmm. was so successful because it it ushered in this this new subgenre of horror which was i mean for lack of a better term people call it torture porn you know that's what it's that's what it's typically known as and that's not like a negative connotation for Mm -hmm. the most part i think that's just that's one of the tropes of of the genre and it worked for a long time we're obviously in a new era of horror films and we've talked about that on this show some of the ones that have been successful so i know coming into this i was just really interested how a spiral you know going to not only live up to what people expect from a saw film that made it so successful, but still sort of balance that out with the idea and the notion that we're no longer in this era where these films are particularly popular, you know? So mm-hmm. it had a, it had a pretty tall climb out the gate. And I think, unfortunately it, it doesn't really get over a lot of the, the, the challenges and the humps that it has to deal with. Uh, you know, I, I I'm with you. I appreciate the, 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 the ambition and the idea to do something a little bit different, but in the end, it didn't feel mm-hmm. all that different. It didn't feel as mm-hmm. different as it needed to in order to burst something brand new. Because yeah. if you're going to go in a completely new direction, then I feel like you have to really lean into it. 
and and there were glimpses of, of where they it seemed like that they were going in that direction, but they didn't they didn't really I don't think that they really bought in completely because that, again mm-hmm. that push and pull of still trying to give what faithful saw fans want to see is it still exists. You know, it does mm-hmm. have its, you know, it, it has the gore, it has its death traps. It's it's scaled down slightly, I think, from past iterations, but I think there's still enough there, you know, to walk away with, you know, sort of being satisfied by if that's what you're here for. But from a story standpoint, because they wanted to amplify that and focus on that a little bit more, it just kind of falls apart because the script isn't all that great. Honestly, Um, the story is predictable. There's nothing shocking about it. It's very formulaic. You know, you've seen it before and you've seen it done better. And um, Chris Rock even, you know, is being like the, the centerpiece, the star of this film. It was interesting to me because I was like, okay, this seems like it's going to be a little bit more of a serious role for him. And for the most part, it is. But in the beginning of the film, when we're first introduced to his character, there's a lot of comedy. There's a lot of comedic mm-hmm. elements. But then when the stakes are raised throughout the film, a lot of that is lost. And that just kind of felt that just kind of felt weird to me. It's yeah. I, I just I don't understand why you why you inject the comedy in the beginning and give him damn near an entire monologue as if he's doing a stand up. But then once once the shit really gets going, it's just like, OK, we're just going to completely pull back on that. It's non-existent. And I don't I don't know if that would be. 100 percent genuine to the, the type of person that he is or how a lot of people would would react in that situation. I don't think they're going to lose the essence of who they are. So if he's a funny guy, he's a funny guy. He's going to try to inject humor in many situations, but he didn't really do that here. So it was kind of weird. Again, I, a push and pull. I don't know if it mm-hmm. I don't know if it completely. I don't know if this this entire concept, this story, I don't know if the filmmakers behind it were completely confident in whatever direction that they were trying to go into. I think that they tried to be a lot of different things for a lot of different people. And ultimately when you do that, you end up underserving every Mm -hmm. single one of those audiences that you try to go after. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you know, this is, I I agree. There are, there are entertaining parts. There there are parts where it's bad, you know, Mm -hmm. it kind of has a lot of those things. So it's a, it's a very uneven experience overall, but I think I think in general, I think most people, if you're a fan of the franchise, one, I think you'll get enough of what you need. Um, If you're not really a Saw fan to begin with, if you're more of a casual viewer or you just don't really care for these films, there's nothing here that's going to win you over. You know, so I don't I wouldn't say like, oh, yeah, you should definitely watch this because it's something completely different. And it might win Mm -hmm. you over as a fan of the franchise because I don't think it'll do that. So ultimately, a mixed bag for the most part. Some things work. A lot of things didn't. It is what it is, but it's probably mm-hmm. going to make a decent amount of money and they'll probably make more as they always have. So I guess yeah, we'll just have yeah. to see. And we're going to see. It's, it's really interesting how s- people will make a premise and just not focus on the premise. This is that's really interesting to me because um, at the heart of this film, it is, you know, political in a way. Uh, this one specifically. Right. Like a lot of the other ones. I mean, the John Kramer, a.k.a. the Jigsaw Killer, his whole thing is put, put people in terrible situations and they have to get themselves out and it mm-hmm. changes their life. This at, at first attempts to do that in a political way, which at, in, in my mind was like, okay, let's do that. And then it just lost it, yeah. <laughs> you know? And it's like, why not just keep that focus maybe? And maybe we would have got somewhere, but it's like, they just didn't do it. So yeah, it is. It's, I wish more yeah. people just focused on their premise. Cause the premise was like, huh? And then after that I was like, well, you, you lost me. Right. Lost me. I mean, probably probably one too many ideas. Right. Because mm-hmm. there is there is an idea here of corruption within 
a police force and, you know, sort of being immoral, the the immorality that can exist within law enforcement. Yeah. Um, but it's probably one too many ideas because they're trying to do a lot of different things and mm-hmm. serve a lot of different masters. So, yeah, that to, to, to that end, they kind of abandoned that idea it didn't it didn't really go that far uh or or i should say it just was i don't know it was just kind of hollow it didn't really it didn't really say anything you know it was just like oh yeah there are corrupt police officers okay what's new in the world because it doesn't really it doesn't really elaborate on that idea you know so yeah probably too many things that were that were working against them in the in that stance but I guess we will see what happens with this franchise again. It's it's been going on for 17 years. They fi- they figured out a way to, to continue to make these movies profitable. So I, I have no doubt that at some point, whether it's immediately or years down the line, you know, there mm-hmm. might be another an, another big fan that comes along with a new idea for Saw and they'll do another iteration. I have no idea or, or no doubt, excuse me, that it'll be back in some form at the end of the yeah, day. Might, so. as well, might as well round it out at 10, huh? At this 10 point, will be a good number. Yeah. Yeah. Might as well just something. do one more and just get it that one out of there. Just 10 movies and call it a day. Yeah. You're you're probably right. And then they'll be up there with they'll probably be one. I mean, in terms of like Friday the 13th and Michael Myers, I think those are the only other two franchises that have as many yep. entries in the horror franchise, at least. The horror so franchise. They would, yeah. They would they would be right there. So I agree. Might as well. Just give it one more go know. and see what happens. So yep. um yeah, those are our thoughts on Spiral from the Book of Saw. If you check this film out, definitely hit us up and let us know what you think. Let's go ahead and talk about our next film. Angelina Jolie has returned to the action genre with Those Who Wish Me Dead. Why'd they put you in a fire tower? Well, I'm just lucky, I guess. the wind wrong I should have gone to them then you've been dead too that's our job hey stop I'm not gonna hurt you I want to see where the blood's coming from it's not my blood you in trouble? Anyone else in trouble? My dad said if anything happened, I should find someone I can trust. Are you someone I can trust? We promise absolutes. Act accordingly. Cut you down. Run! Give me something else to worry about. You can run on for a long time. Listen. Run on for a long time. You're gonna run. Run on for a long time. And you're gonna keep running. That eats everything in its path. You really want to die for this kid? Take a deep breath. Hold it. And lay back. 
what's next. You're looking right in the eye. Now, this film is directed by Taylor Sheridan, and it's written by Michael Corita, Charles Leavitt, and Taylor Sheridan himself. And it's starring Angelina Jolie, Finn Little, Nicholas Holt, Aiden Gillen, Jake Weber, Medina Singhor, and John Bernthal. So this film is one of the, the, the many HBO Max Warner Brothers movies that are doing a day and date release um, theatrically and on HBO Max, the streaming service. And uh, yeah, this is Angelina Jolie's. This is technically her first action film since Salt all the way back in 2010, um, which is kind of crazy to think about that I she mean, hasn't done like an Maleficent action film. Maleficent is kind of actiony. Kind of. I, th- I think kinda. I think it, it, it's I, I will call it a fantasy film. And that's not to say yeah, that fantasy can't have action. Action. Yeah. Fantasy I, first. I, yeah, yeah. Fantasy yeah. first. I guess in the that more traditional sense. sense, this is probably the first since Salt. But, you know, she's been out here obviously working. Um, but yeah, this film again, this it just premiered this past week. Um, Taylor Sheridan, he's been uh, a really an, an accomplished writer in Hollywood for a while now. He's done mm-hmm. he's done quite a lot of work, especially within like the neo Western genre in particular. Like he's sort of done like a lot of different takes and, and, and styles on sort of that neo Western genre. He's done things like Sicario, excellent film. He um, he wrote for Hell or High Water, which was a really acclaimed film when it came out. He's even one of the co-creators for uh, Yellowstone, which I haven't watched, but I actually heard is a really, really great show um, that's currently on the air right now. I think they're in their third season. So he has quite quite a lot of uh, quite a lot of really good credits under his belt. Um, this is the second or third film that he's directed, uh, if, if I'm not mistaken. But um, yeah, again, this is Angelina Jolie's sort of return to the big screen um, after taking a little bit of time away. And so. What did you think of this movie, man? Those Who Wish Me Dead. How did you feel about it? Yeah, man. Uh, Those Who Wish Me Dead. For me, it was a, a decently fresh story, just in terms of setting, I would say. There's some things in this film I honestly hadn't seen before. And I was um, I was actually pleasantly surprised because I was like, oh, here we go. There we're going to get some, I don't know, a lot of cliches in this movie. That's what I just felt. Just from hearing the name, it was on HBO. I was like, okay, here, what's going to happen here? Um, but I was pleasantly surprised, man. First of all, the cast is low-key kind of stacked. Um, yeah. <laughs> now, I wasn't ready for that either, uh, to be honest. Um, I mean, Aiden Gillen is, I guess, in my mind, is forever a bad guy now. I don't know if he'll ever play anybody good at this point. <laughs> he can't. He can't. He's forever Littlefinger. And yeah, that, that means you're, you're, you're going to be evil every single time I see you. Right, exactly. Um, but it it gave me a a again just a, a a glimpse of of entertainment. Um, it's not a it's not a perfect movie by any means, right? This movie is about um, I'm trying to think what to compare it to. There's a lot of the, the beginning. There is a lot of movies like this, right? At its base, um, I'm trying to think. Well, if, if, if it kind of it kind of feels like a 90s action thriller in a sense, <laughs> like where it starts off. I mean, it's sort of this uh, it's sort of like not a murder mystery by any means, but it's it, I don't know. It's, it's just it kicks off with a lot of action in the in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Eventually, it kind of turns into something else. I think you, you, you're kind of speaking to that a little bit, but it does feel like a 90s right. action thriller that you could just like turn on cable and you'll just like come across something right. like that. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, man, those wish me dead again uh, is about Angelina Jolie's character, who is a firefighter um, in this kind of a s- small town 
uh, wilderness vibey place. Um, and on the other on the other side of things, there is a, a father and son. And long story short, they're on the run. The father did something technic technically noble, um, but he's being chased by people. So the information that he has doesn't get out. Um, and they end up in the same town as Angelina Jolie and other characters. Um, and uh, this film, for the most part, is told from the perspective of, in my, in my eyes, the little boy, right? Um, that, that That's in the movie. Um, do you remember his name? What's his name? Uh, Finn Little. Finn Little, um, who does a great job to me, I think. I was like, oh, this this, this kid's got something here. But um, it's it, it's got that action. Um, it's got some moments that are just it has weird in-betweens right like it'll go action and then the in-between you're like did i need that whole part or did i need this entire scene here or why did this scene get put here um and and in, and in those ways i would say it could have been better right um it's by no means a long movie right i think it's an hour 40 something mm. like that but i actually think it could have been even shorter and and, and straight to the point in a couple of different ways um but um again the, the cast is great shout out to john bernthal who in my head at some point is going to be in like a future expendables movie i don't know when uh <laughs> True. He, yeah he's he's a beast at this point man um and then also shout out to nicholas holt who i feel like i haven't seen in forever um also kind of you know pulling up and doing a decent job in this movie too um so yeah, I actually don't have much to say about it uh, because I feel like I can give everything away in one because I I, I don't think I would do recommend people watch this movie to be honest. Uh, if you have, if you if you're bored, you want something to watch, I think it's decent. Angelina Jolie is going to do Angelina Jolie things, um, and it comes from uh, a place again, a place of trying to trying to do new things again it falls into some of the cliches that we know it can be formulaic at times but i think it, it provides enough new scenery for me it provided enough scenery for me to, to say yeah i enjoyed this film because um yeah it, it, i just hadn't seen a lot of it before and there was a, again a lot i have seen so i think that combination is interesting right when you see a lot of things that you have seen before and as a new stuff because it's like you can't say it's perfect, but it's not bad either. You just enjoy it. And, and that's OK, too. It's just a movie I enjoyed that I watched. Um, and and that's it for me, man. Those who wish me dead. So, yeah, I, I you know, I, I mostly agree in the sense that this is I mean, it's a straightforward film. It's really straightforward. It's not complicated. Yeah. Again, it's a, it's an action thriller. Uh, you understand the plot and the stakes pretty early mm -hmm. on. And you know what mm -hmm. what what the film is about. And that for me is is what works the best about it is, is that it just gets right into the story of what what what's at stake here. Um, and, and a part of it is also a redemptive story as well for Angelina Jolie's character. I won't get into mm -hmm. specifics, but it is a, it's a bit of a, a, an opportunity, a redemption for her specific character just based on her past and some things that she's failed at versus like this new opportunity that's presented itself. And so I think I think all of that works in that sense. Um, and you know, overall, the fact that it, it, it I, I, again, as I was saying earlier, it start, starts off as more of a traditional sort of 90s action thriller film. Uh, you, you know who your protagonist and, and antagonist are. The story is very simple. The goal and objective is very simple. And then eventually it kind of turns into a disaster movie by the second half of it, which I yeah. didn't necessarily expect. Um, mm -hmm. But that was kind of pleasant to see that 
oh, it's like, oh, now we're going to make it like a, you know, a film that that totally injects a lot of like disaster film tropes and it becomes uh, mm-hmm. a, a bit of a different story by that point. So it's it, it's a little bit less about, you know, man versus man or man versus woman as much as it becomes, you know, man versus nature and how that can influence and dictate the sequence of events that happen um, throughout the film. And so, you know, for, for, for that, I think, I think those elements for the film works um, and the cast, everybody did, did what they needed to do here. Um, and there was some suspenseful moments as well, where I was like, you know, getting, getting a little bit excited and, and riled up by what I was saying on screen. Um, I actually, I actually think that this could have been longer and it would have benefited from being longer. So I'm a bit, mm-hmm. I'm a bit different on that stance from you just because I think that, I think that Angelina, because she is the main character in the film, I think that her backstory and how she got to where she's at should have Mm -hmm. been fleshed out a little bit more because the payoff didn't really work for me in the end, like in terms Mm -hmm. of how it all just sort of wrapped up and resolved itself. It didn't really go anywhere by the end of it. So I was just Mm -hmm. hoping that there was more that could have been that could have been fleshed out from that perspective. Like maybe we would have seen a little bit more in some of like the development that she had to go through, some of the challenges that she had to overcome after her traumatic incident and you know how that led her to where she's at now so it may for me it may have benefited from like an extra 10 minutes not not you know not a longer significantly longer movie but like an even two hours maybe or an hour Mm -hmm. 55 something like that um but beyond that you know i don't really have any other criticisms uh for the film i think it's fine and it does what it needs to do um and again it's straightforward you know you 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 kind of if you watch a preview for this film you're going to get exactly what that preview, you know, shows you that this movie is going to be about. It's not going to be any sort of big swerve. Um, but I think what what's really surprising for me, just knowing that like Tyler Perry is a producer on this movie and he's also mm-hmm. in it for a, 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 it's a very small role. But it was just kind of it was just kind of it's just kind of strange that he was a part of this movie. I just wasn't expecting mm-hmm. that, um, you know, but ultimately this feels like. Because so because it comes out in theaters and on HBO Max, this is like the perfect movie to just be like, you can just watch it on HBO Max. Like that's what yes. that's exactly what I would say. Like, you do not yes. need to run out to a movie theater to see this. If you have to make a choice, this is the perfect movie to just fire up on streaming real quick, in and out, and that's it. You know, I don't think that this is something necessarily that's gonna be beneficial from a from a movie theater experience. It works just fine at home, I think. Um, you can still walk away enjoying it just the same so it was fine you know and, yeah. and that's that's kind of that's kind of it really for the film it's it's fine and it did what it needed to do so um yeah man those who wish me dead uh, if you know if anybody's seen it you know want to talk about it just definitely hit us up and let us know what you think about the mm-hmm. film let's go ahead and shift gears and talk about another movie that we just saw uh, that premiered this past uh, weekend on netflix uh this film has been in development for quite a while actually but it just had its release and again it was affected by the pandemic but what we're going to talk about next is The Woman in the Window. This is a safe place. I'm agoraphobic. I can't go inside. I've been slipping, getting into a really dark frame of mind. What's the latest on the street? Your neighbor, she's become a friend. Her name is Jane Russell. Do you want to go outside? You know, I have a shrink of my own. (laughs) 
Jane, she's been stabbed. Detective Little, NYPD. Where's Jane? Mr. Russell believes that you made a mistake. You have never met my wife. Ma'am, you all right? I know Jane. Jane's been in my house. I'm Jane Russell. I'm not crazy. I know what I saw. They're all hiding something. I told you, you will not have never had my mother. Stop watching our house. Your doctor said that your meds can cause hallucinations. I'm not hallucinating. I think there is somebody in my house. Don't go looking into other people's houses. You won't like what you see. This film is directed by Joe Wright and it's written by A.J. Finn. Um, the novel is written by A.J. Finn, but the screenplay for this film is written uh, by Tracy Letts. And it's starring Amy Adams, Julianne Moore, Gary Oldman, Wyatt Russell, Anthony Mackie, Brian Tyree Henry, and Fred Hetchinger. So, again, as I just mentioned, The Woman in the Window, this film has been in development for a little bit over three years, almost four years at this point. It's gone through a lot. Yeah, but it finally made its debut on Netflix. So let's just go ahead and get into it, man. What did you mm-hmm. think about the woman in the window? I ain't gonna hold y'all. This movie sucks. Um, it's just really not good. <laughs> uh, so uh, we've we've been talking about this a lot, bro. That there is this trend where people are getting just crazy cast. Uh, I don't know what's happening. I kind of know what's happening, but it's becoming just way more prevalent to get a, a really good cast. And the production, you know, is it's kind of, you know, a decent, decent high production. And then the movie just sucks. And it just keeps happening. I don't know if we're like lacking writers or I don't know what's happening. What's weird about this film, um, the, the woman in the window, is that it's art. It, it was already a book. Right. And there's two things here. One, books don't always translate well to movies. We learned that through the the course of cinematic history we know that some books do amazing right um and but we also know but uh the second thing is the source material is there and sometimes you have to transform it in ways that translate better on screen that's Mm -hmm. where success comes from right gone girl does that um the harry potter series does that just all, all all these things game of thrones they just know how to translate it and I think this is just a poor translation. It has to be because I've heard nothing but good things about the book. I've never seen a bad book turned into a movie, right? So, so like a lot of the times, if the movie's bad, it's, it's a ba- either a bad translation or you just shouldn't have made the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what that is here. I, uh, the woman in the window, to put quite simply, it's just boring. It's boring. It's a boring ass movie. And, you know, the, the cast seeks to bring things home. Amy Adams, Gary Oldman, Anthony Mackie. I mean, Brian Tyree Henry, Julianne Moore. These are like heavy hitters nowadays. I mean, come on, man. Um, and they, and they, they try to use Amy Adams to like, OK, she can she can do things right. She's Amy Adams. She's a beast. 
They think she can carry the movie, but she just can't. She simply cannot carry these slow moments of the movie that don't mean anything or these weird cuts to um, whatever she has going on in the movie. All that being said, long story short, this movie is about an agrophobic um, woman. I think she's a child psychologist. Um, Mm -hmm. Agrophobic means you don't like what is it like outdoor situations, right? It's like very specific to. Yeah, she 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 gets a agoraphobic say that there's a lot of anxiety associated with being outside in mm-hmm. basically in the world of, of, of sort of like <laughs> active, like actively just being out in the world. It's a very anxiety inducing experience for them. And it's usually it's usually associated mm-hmm. with some sort of like past trauma from, from what I understand. OK, which makes a lot of sense. Um, her life is again so she's in the house all the time her windows are always open again she she's agoraphobic so she's constantly talking to counselors uh psychiatrists getting meds all of that jazz her life turns upside down whatever you want to call it when she witnesses a crime in the neighborhood um and that's that's the story i'm just leaving right there and throughout the film you know What's also interesting, I don't know how the book works, but it's clear that this movie is trying to, to throw in elements of Rear Window, right? From 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 our boy um, Alfred Hitchcock. Is, is is a lot of Rear Window elements in the movie. It just doesn't work. None of this works. Um, the 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 thing that gives this movie points for me is, of course, the actors, because they. They do all they can do. <laughs> so that is the points that I give the movie um, because everything else around it just kind of sucks. Uh, it's boring. You kind of see plot twists coming in a lot of different ways. Uh, you know, some people may not. That's cool, too. But it's just not an entertaining movie at the base of what a film should be. We're here to be entertained. And I was not entertained. Um there are a couple scenes that I think are shot cool. Um, it's one specific thing I think is shot cool. Um, so it got, it got a point for me for that too, just because it was a quote unquote change of scenery. Um, again, it's a, it's, it's technically a high production, but it's mediocre at the same time because of everything surrounding it. If that makes mm-hmm. sense. Um, you, this movie clearly did not cost a lot. Um, a lot of it takes place in the house that Amy Adams character exists um and and that is what it is man is is this movie won't be for everybody i don't think but in in my opinion if you really have to watch it you can have it on in the background and you need to be drinking like a glass of merlot or something to to make yourself interested because it was just not there for me um but yeah that's what i have to say about the woman in the window man Man, you are better than me. Do don't watch this movie. I'm telling people, <laughs> do not watch this movie. It, it it's bad. It's a bad movie. At times, it's actively bad. Like it knows that it's bad, and it leans more into being <laughs> a bad movie. So I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm not gonna recommend this to anybody. So, the woman in the window. You you talked a little bit about this. It has all the necessary components to be a great film. It has everything that it. you need to be a great film. It's mm-hmm. adapted from a very popular book. The Woman yep. in the Window, the novel has sold millions of copies. 
Joe Wright is the director. He's coming off of Darkest Hour, which was hugely successful, you know, nominated for many Academy Awards. Got Gary Oldman, a Best Actor Academy Award. Tracy Letts, he's doing the screenplay here. He's a Tony and Pulitzer Prize winning playwright. He is extremely successful and he's also a good actor in his own right. He's not in the movie all that much because he's, you know, he's taking, again, a lot of the screenplay um, responsibilities here, but he is very accomplished. And then, as you mentioned, the cast, extremely talented people that are part of this. Even with all of that, this is a complete failure on pretty much every level, with the exception of a couple of things. I'll get to those later. But ultimately, this is going to be defined as one of those films Mm -hmm. that is mostly associated with having a quote-unquote troubled production. And we know in Hollywood, whenever we come across a film that has a troubled production, that often spells very bad news for not only, you know, how your your final product turns out, but just how people perceive this movie because it doesn't help with the narrative at all, right? So this movie has gone through a lot of shit. First of all, again, it was starting to be developed back back in 2017, 2018, around that time. But then Mm -hmm. Disney bought Fox. Fox was the parent studio behind this movie. So that kind of threw a wrench in things. Then they went through a big series of reshoots for the film after they did some test test screenings with test audiences. And they kind of walked away saying, we don't know what happened. We don't understand this film. So they tried to do some reshoots. (laughs) Um, The funny thing about that is I would still argue that you you really don't know what the hell's going on here um so they didn't fix all that much they did reshoots then on top of that aj finn which is actually a pseudonym for daniel mallory daniel mallory is the author of the book he's Mm -hmm. going by a pseudonym now known as aj finn because uh what just recently the New Yorker, I think it was back in 2019, the New Yorker did a, a very scathing expose about him as an author, which basically exposed his pathological lying that he's done to oh really further God. his career. He's lied about um, his, his mother's cancer. He basically said that she passed away when she did not. She actually survived mm. and she's in she's in remission, if I'm not mistaken. He lied about his brother being dead. His brother's not mm. dead. So he he incorporated a lot of lies and fluff with his own personal backstory to help further his career. On top of the fact that a lot of people accuse him with his first novel. I don't know what his first novel was, but people accuse him of completely plagiarizing a movie that came out in the 90s was Sigourney Weaver copycat, which is actually a pretty decent movie. And mm-hmm. people are saying like, yeah, a lot of the, the concepts and ideas in that book that he wrote are completely plagiaristic without any credit towards copycat. So he does not have a great reputation at this point. So that also mm-hmm. happened. And then one of the producers recently, some of the people that worked under the producer for the film often talked about these, I guess, anger tantrums that he would go on in the middle of set he would throw things he would get angry he would yell he would shout he was just completely unprofessional so all of that is a part of this package of the woman in the window on top of the fact that it's been delayed numerous times due to the disney purchase of fox due to the covid pandemic ultimately disney just said fuck it and sold it to netflix and gave it away which was the right thing to do because why inherit why inherit something that's been damn near snake bit ever since it was it was you know starting to be produced and all of it shows all of it shows in the final product of this movie that it's just bad because mm-hmm. you already mentioned it it's a knockoff of rear window rear window is one of the greatest films ever made and it just tries to do that and it fails right it's it's all about a person that's secluded in one location it's also in new york it takes place in a harlem brownstone and amy adams character being being an agoraphobic she's she's you know sort of trapped in her house and she's trying to uncover this mystery of these neighbors 
Um, it turns into this murder mystery, but then there's this whole angle of medication and, and you know, these the psychological yeah. elements that 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 I guess explain what's going on. But it's just it's just a bad movie. The writing is bad. The story is not interesting. It is actively boring at times. And then even mm. when it tries to do some interesting things, such as incorporate some visual and style stylistic elements, um, like some of this, you know, cinematography, it's trying to like mm-hmm. incorporate like this dreamy element, which is intentional. Um, and it's incorporating flashbacks and voiceovers. And there's even like clips from vintage films that, that are that are present throughout the movie. All of that is just noise, to be honest with you, because it's just mm-hmm. doing it's doing a lot of the stylistic flair to take you away from the fact that you're just watching something that's bad. And by the end of it, it actually it actually becomes unintentionally funny because now I'm laughing at the yep. movie because I know how bad it is. And the yep. shit that I'm just seeing is extremely campy and, and nonsensical and ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's yeah, there's no surprise. It's, it's just listen, I. I'm going to I'm going to pretty much stop there and just say the only thing, <laughs> literally the only thing I liked about this movie, because I, you know, I don't even count the performances at this point, because I don't even know if the actors knew what movie they were being that they were acting in. They were they were in a whole nother production. I feel like they were trying <laughs> to actually save this movie, but nothing can save a film that has a bad script or bad direction or any of these things like nothing can save that. The only thing that I liked about this movie was the production design. The fact that it mm-hmm. is taking place in one location. You understand the 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 the, the sense of scale and scope and where things yeah. are. You know, you know how this entire house, you know, essentially works, how this entire brownstone works, where mm-hmm. things are. And you get to see sort of the nooks and crannies of it all. That's the only thing I liked outside of that. This shit is bad. I wouldn't recommend it to anybody. Don't waste your time. That's it. That's really it. I think that this is going to be an extremely forgettable movie. And it's a shame because Amy Adams, honestly, in my mind, has had one of the best runs in recent memory for an actress over this past like decade. Like ever since like 2010, when she was in The Fighter, she's done Mm -hmm. just incredible work from The Master with Paul Thomas Anderson, her involvement with Man of Steel, which, you know, a lot of people don't like, but a lot of people do like her. Arrival. She was in that American Hustle, Arrival, Nocturnal Animals. She's done some mm-hmm. really, really excellent work. And yeah. this is just a shame that this is going to be, you know, sort of a, a mark on, on her career. But, you know, you, you when you're working anything, actor, filmmaker, you can't win them all. They're all not going to be good. You're going to have some duds mm-hmm. in there. This is 100% a dud. So this movie sucks, that's, like you said. That's two marks in a row, though, right? A lot of people don't like Hillbilly Elegy either. And I haven't watched yeah, that. I heard that also terrible too. does not have. Uh, so she might just need to step away from Netflix for a while um, because it sounds like, you know, I mean, of course, the other one, you know, wasn't Netflix at heart. Right. But yeah, I think uh, yeah. she might need to chill on those for a little bit. Well, yeah. <sighs> sucks to suck. Oh, Definitely. Um, the only reason. I know somebody who read the book. Who for some reason liked the movie? I don't know why. Whatever. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, I I literally seen them give it a ten out of ten, and I said, "Wow, we are in two different worlds." I did not read the book, but even if I did, I just can't imagine this was a good translation. Anyways, <laughs> that's amazing. A ten out is, of ten. That is incredible. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, we're just on two different pages, but you know, whatever. Um, again, sucks to suck movie sucks simple as that don't watch it y'all save your time um with that said let's go ahead and just transition because there's nothing else to say about the woman <laughs> in the window let's move on let's talk about some tv shows man you caught up yeah, with man. some some new stuff that, that, that's just actually speaking of netflix just you know hit netflix um let's mm-hmm. start off and talk about the circle circle message 
Challenge. Crying emoji, heart emoji, crying emoji, heart emoji, crying emoji, heart emoji. Wow. The circle is back, and this time, it's more strategic than ever. Welcome to the circle, huh? Oh, my God! Is that Chloe from Too Hot to Handle? Hmm. Players must become popular. And to do that, they can be real or try to fool everyone with a fake profile. And with $100,000 at stake, how you play, it's everything. The 100K is coming home with me. I could be my grandmother. I could be Justin Bieber. I got my eye on you. I just don't think that Trevor is who he says he is. Is he a cop? Is he, is he not? Oh! There has been a joker in the pack. Yes! This could change the entire game. People are lying. People are not even who they say they are. There is some romance in the air when it comes to me and Trev. <laughs> oh! One of you two are the catfish. It's not a game for me now. Aim of the game is to be popular. Um, you are popular, babe. Oh! Before you leave, you can meet one player face to face. Oh, no. Alert! Lance Bass? What's N-S-Y-N-C? Y'all never heard of NSYNC? <laughs> The Circle Season 2, Wednesday, starting April 14th. Let the paranoia begin. Only on Netflix. What's up with that? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, my timeline had been raving about The Circle. I did hear about it um, last year when Season 1 came out. But just recently, Season 2 came out. And I said, you know, I haven't watched a reality TV show in a bit. So let me give this thing a go. Um, and it's cool, man. It's it's cool to see it. Uh, so people know The Circle is a reality TV series um, where the contestants or players, they all move into the same apartment building and they never meet face to face during the competition. They each live in their own apartment and they communicate solely using their profiles, uh, using a social media app uh, on a big TV called The Circle. And they try to portray themselves uh, through the Internet and, and Long story short, some people are catfishing, some people are not. Yikes. Um, but but they're trying to win the game by not being blocked from what is called the circle. So imagine, you know, you only know people from their Instagram profile, quote per se, and all you have is a bunch of group chats. And based on that, you have to get to know people and you block them. Uh and you and people rate you uh day to day, week to week. Uh, and you're, you're, again, constantly really just trying not to be blocked uh, to eventually win $100,000. And that's pretty much the circle, uh, seasons one and season two. Um, yeah, and I just wanted to bring it up, man. It was, a, it was a fun reality show to watch. I love the experiment, right? Because anybody can be anybody behind uh, social media, right? I think mm -hmm. it's interesting to see people catfishing for money um, because <laughs> they come with a strategy. And I think that's like kind of cool to watch. Versus like people who catfish because they have like psychological things that are wrong with them sure. and they'd be like trying to trick people into love them and what all the other mental things they have going on. That's no bueno. But here it's like, OK, I'm trying to catfish you because I'm trying to win one hundred thousand um, dollars. And I, I just thought that was a, that's an interesting thought. Um, season one at the beginning got a little bit of flack from from black people a little bit because some of the black women uh we're, we're seeing being treated as not the same at first. Oh. I guess they thought, thought some of them were, were coming out um, a little bit, coming off a little bit. Uh, I don't know what the word is. Um, 
but they they just weren't being treated uh the same as the other players at the beginning that that did kind of eventually resolve itself it wasn't like that the entire time it was like the first couple episodes i did notice that too i was like mm, i don't know what's going on here um but it kind of they, they kind of got themselves together um so that's pretty much it y'all i'm just here to say the circle is really cool and if you like stuff like that it's not long i think it's 12 episodes per season no yeah that might be right yes yeah, 12 yeah mm-hmm. 12 12 episodes per season and they're they're entertaining you know they're cool to watch there's a there's a good mix of people i'm which also makes it entertaining to watch just like um Oh, season two, there's this black woman volleyball player. And season one, there's a there's there's a I, I call them meatheads because of freaking Jersey Shore. But it's like this Italian dude and there's and there's black women and there's Asian women and there's gay men and there's gay old men. And it's just really it's just really cool to see, OK, whose mentality is where, whose strategy is where and who is going to win this competition for one hundred thousand dollars, because what also it can make it cool as these people um, are here for a reason. They have reason to win this money. And so it's like, dang, how are they going to get there? Season two, I will say, is a little bit more messy than season one in a good way because they've watched season one. In season two, they they literally reference season one because all the players have now seen season one. They come in with different strategies. Okay, I'm, this is how I'm going to win the circle. So um, it, it, it was cool to see the change. But I, I still recommend season one, uh, even though it is a little more innocent i guess i should say season two everybody was coming for heads um and again it, it, it gets messy uh there's a lot going on but really entertaining show really short watch uh again it, it can get repetitive but it's such a short watch it's like who cares because it's like the nature of the game it just is what it is um and for those who don't know this this tv show was based off the uk version you, you know the u.s is constantly still in shows from from the british all the time um but vice versa right is it, it, it happens both ways so um cool little watch man that's the circle uh give it give it a chance if you want to but you know if not that's okay too but it was it was fun to watch yeah well it's it's proven to be popular they already renewed for a third season so we can certainly expect that to to be a thing um probably around this time next year as well um but yeah, I mean, you know, United States steals everything. We've been stealing forever, so they're going to continue to steal <laughs> Back, all these at, at concepts. Our core. Um, but yeah, I know, I know Netflix is all in on this show because you know, mm-hmm. even outside of this American version, they also have like three other international Brazil. versions. Yeah, yeah, all kind of countries. So they're definitely sort of in the in the circle game for for quite a while and trying to mm-hmm. appeal to a more worldwide audience. But this, you know, this is something that the the concept in and of itself of like people not yeah. being face to face, the social media aspect of it, like these things can resonate with with anybody. Mm-hmm. So if they can adapt it and spin it off into other shows, you know, for other countries and other graphics, then, you know, sounds like it's working. Hey, what also is great about just Netflix reality TV shows is that it's Netflix. Like they you'll be on there cussing. I actually wish they unfiltered it a little bit more still. Season one to season two was a difference. Like they unfiltered it even more. I wish they turned it up one more notch. Um, part of that is people trying to learn other people in social media is sugarcoated in general. So I think that's how that is. Um, but I feel like they can just just make just loosen it off the hinges a little bit more and it'll be like, yeah, this is the shit. Because I think Netflix is learning like we can do stuff that you can't do on CBS <laughs> and yeah. ABC, um, which they should lean into completely. Uh, you know, we're not here watching The Bachelor. It's like, no, this is the circle on Netflix. It's going to be cussing and some, you know, some other stuff. So uh, that, that I think that's cool, too. 
Absolutely. Well, if you checked out the circle, which I know a lot of people have, I've seen it all across the timeline lately. Definitely uh, let us know what you think about that show. Um, let's talk about another series that just premiered on Netflix this past week, The Upshaws. I got to be there for my kids. My dad was no good, so it made me do some messed up stuff back in the day. Back in the day? Negro, you did some ignorant stuff this morning. Where you come from? No one said your name three times. <laughs> This outfit will get me this chief administrator job. Are you meeting with a man or a woman? A man. <laughs> now you get it. Damn, I never thought I'd get me tooed by my own sister. I'm trying to step my daddy game up. I will take all the help I can get. When have I ever let you down? Look, Benny, it's your baby mama. <laughs> I gotta be there for Regina. You know what? You ain't got to worry about me ever asking for nothing again. You got a phone charging my phone down to 2%. Tonight we're going to go on Facebook and I'm going to show them the kind of life they could have had if their mama had married Dante. He's a doctor now. Why don't you take the kids down to the animal shelter and show them the life that you could have had if you hadn't chewed through that cage? <laughs> rolling with you till the wheels fall off. Not tonight, baby. You said that last night. Come on, revved up. I can get it down to 10 minutes. Oh, now you want to go twice. <laughs> what are you doing sniffing around here? No one called in a bomb. Hey, what's you? Now, this sitcom has been created by Regina Hicks and Wanda Sykes, um, and it has a great cast a part of it. I know you checked this out as well. What, what did you think about the Upshaws? The Upshaws, the Upshaws, y'all. Um, I don't know what's been going on with uh, um, Mike Epps. He's been kind of busy, I think, uh, if I've seen correctly. But this is kind of his, um, his his chance to take the reins again um, in terms of, you know, doing doing some more comedy um he's been like again a little quiet but not you know not too quiet he's been he's been around um but you know the upshaws follows uh of course a black working class family um struggling and that really that's it struggling to make it right mm-hmm. um it, it it's it's kind of your traditional sitcom um a lot of punchlines a lot of interesting situations the uh, the the family finds themselves in um you know, and and the cast is cool. Uh, I like, uh, you know, I've, I've always liked Mike Epps. I don't know a lot of people who haven't, but Kim Fields is in this, um, which is of she's I've, I feel like I haven't seen her in a long time. I've mm-hmm. I instantly seen her and wanted to watch Living Single. Um, but uh, Diamond Lions, Wanda Sykes is great. Of course, she's one of the show creators, but she's also in every episode, which I really enjoy. Um, Paige Kennedy, if you've ever seen Blue Mountain State, Paige Kennedy is like Radon from Blue Mountain State, which is the black quarterback in that TV show. And first of all, Blue Mountain State is out of pocket um, in all the best ways. I actually need to rewatch it because I kind of miss it. Uh, so he's in this show and I hadn't seen him in a long time. And I wonder why that is. I think he might have had some, some trouble. I don't know. Uh, but I know that's why he got kicked off Blue Mountain State because he was living the character a little bit too hard. Uh, but it, it, it's really cool to see him here. Um uh, 
uh, Gabrielle Dennis, who I'm trying to think who recently, what you would know from recently, maybe Nightshade on Luke Cage. Uh, she 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 shows her comedy bag here. I think she's been in the game too. She's been on a lot of different things, but honestly, she's low key probably like she probably killed it the most out of everybody here. But uh, again, this is the Upshaws, man. It's a uh, it's I, I'm starting to like these um these kind of shows in smaller digestible ways. The Upshaws is by no means perfect. There's a lot of uh, things you just see in any sitcom, right? Um, your, your normal, like I just said, punchline situations they get themselves in. And it's not really inventive, right? That, which is kind of the problem um, with the Upshaws. But what I can say is it's a it's be- probably better than all the other Netflix sitcoms. Like uh, Family Reunion is just really corny and cheesy. Um, there's another, there's a, another one just came out, Jamie Foxx. I forgot what it's called. It's like something with my dad. I heard about uh, that one, yeah. Or dad, stop embarrassing me or something like that, um, which is also just a little too cheesy. The Upshaw, it has cheesy moments, but it's like Wanda Sykes and Mike Epps at the heart. So it's like mm-hmm. not as cheesy, you know, it's like, no, they still gonna talk about a, a, a couple things. And you're like, huh, I, that was funny. You know, you're going to laugh. You're going to find some laughs in the Upshaws. And I think that's why I can at least appreciate it a little bit. It does make me miss the Carmichael show a lot because the Carmichael show is still way better than this show is. Um, but at the same time, uh, it is. this was only 10 episodes. It was another quick watch. And I think that if you've, you're missing a small sitcom, if you're missing, you know, maybe when you eat, you watch a sitcom. I know I used to do that. I would eat and watch Rick and Morty or would eat and watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Sometimes I just have, you know, certain shows I, I eat and watch TV with. Um, and I kind of did that with the Upshaws, even though I still watched it in like two days. Uh, but it, it, I still kind of did that here. And it was it was something to watch, man. There were some subjects brought up that are quote unquote um, felt Maybe not Gen Zen Gen Z ish, mm-hmm. but it it is um it's still nice to see them be brought up because they could have just left it out completely. Um and, and they're really transparent about certain things in the show uh that other shows aren't, right? Um there's a lot of sitcoms where we're broke. Everybody hates Chris, but there's also a lot of sitcoms where black people got money, right? The Cosbys or you know, really blackish, anything under the sun. So um I'm always down. For black sitcoms pretty much period just to see where people take it uh and again this this one isn't inventive but it's something to watch not perfect uh but i i say if you want a couple laughs go ahead and sit down with it at least for an episode or two try it out if you don't like it that's okay too move on but uh you know give it a chance as well so that's the upshaws man it's cool it's it's funny and it's black and that's all i needed uh for the time being so yeah, you know, it's it's always interesting to see as well with just like sitcoms. You mentioned this, that the the the, the length of them, right? Like this is 10 episodes, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Right. And so right. sitcoms historically have always been, you know, some of the longer formatted shows that would, you know, run for most of the year, if not the entire year. You would get 22, 23, 26, 28 episodes every season. Right. And mm-hmm. I think with with any sitcom when you're doing that for an extended amount of time especially over multiple years it's really hard to sustain 
a, a, a level of quality that's going to be good every time out the gate. And I think that, you know, any any show, any product is going to face that, but especially sitcoms, which a lot of them typically are based in some element of comedy. Right. Like how often can you be funny every mm-hmm. single time when you're writing? You know, it, it's a 22 minute show. Typically, you're writing 22 minutes worth of material that yeah. many times every single year. So the fact that they are, you know, now they seem like they're in a place where they're more condensed, you know, 10 episodes, mm-hmm. really digestible, like you said. That seems like a better opportunity to let the the, the, the quality of the writing really shine. And yeah. um, definitely, I, I didn't get a chance to watch it, but I definitely just want to also shout out Regina Hicks, you know, as one of the co-creators. I mean, she's had a long, yeah. incredible Killing history with, with a lot of Black sitcoms, Sister, Sister, Girlfriends, most recently Insecure. She was a producer on that show. So she, mm-hmm. she does great stuff. So... Um, I think there, there's definitely some uh, some good faith that you can place into her if you if you decide to to venture into watching the Upshaws. For sure. Yeah, man, it's it's great to see, to be honest. I wish I wish more. Again, Netflix needs to understand its strengths. You're not TV and family reunion and dad. Stop embarrassing me. Feels very ABC ish. You know, this the Upshaws, it's it has elements of like ABC, right, or NBC, but it it they still Netflix <laughs> a little right. bit, right? They still, they still go over the line a couple of times. And, and, and I think that's what makes it, that's what separates it. And I just, I just hope Netflix continues to learn. Maybe, maybe season two will be better, right? Maybe they'll learn from that and they'll go even harder. Um, so yeah, it was cool, man. Definitely. Definitely. Well, if you checked out the Upshaws, hit us up, let us know what you think about that. Let's go ahead and talk about some music, man. We had a big, big weekend with music. A lot of highly anticipated things were happening, some things that we didn't expect to happen. Uh, but we're going to first start off by talking about J. Cool, J. Cole, J. Cool. Uh, you know, maybe I'll get that <laughs> right next time. Easy for me to say. J. Cole's latest studio album, The Offseason. Uh, now, he he hyped this about a couple of weeks ago. He started to come out with some of the with the announcements of what this was going to be and 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 basically announcing his return to to the hip hop scene and, and dropping a new album. I think people have been waiting on a Cole album. Obviously, it's been a couple years since his last effort KOD um, and now he just dropped the off season and I mean I guess I can go ahead and kick it off we'll, we'll talk about mm-hmm. our thoughts with just like how we how we feel about this album how we reacted to it and, and, and those different things and it's still early but I, I would say overall for me it was a it's a it's a good album it's actually it's good and at times it's really really good um, mm-hmm. I think that Cole is just in such an interesting place now he you know I think we talk about sometimes like the, the big three of hip-hop Drake Kendrick Cole I think J. Cole easily has the most interesting relationship with his fan base out of any of those artists. Like if -hmm. you love Kendrick, you love Kendrick and everybody knows it. Drake is the most popular artist in the world. It's really hard to not like him just based off of his popularity. Like Mm -hmm. he's 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 very likely to create something that you mess with over over these past, you know, 10, 11, 12 years. J. Cole, though, man, his fan base is just so interesting because I feel like you obviously have your your diehards that have been with him since the beginning, since those mm-hmm. days of, you know, the, the, the warm up of Friday Night Lights or whatever that was. And, and, and then you have people that are, I would say, are more like me, where it's like sometimes this work is really good. Sometimes it's not for me. And, and that's not to say that it's bad necessarily, but sometimes yeah. it just doesn't work for me because he he, he he goes in really interesting directions a lot of the times without his, you know, throughout his career. But what I've appreciated about J. Cole is the fact that he is uh He's managed to pretty much stay the same 
really throughout mm-hmm. his entire career, which is not a knock at all. He he's evolved and grown with his music. Absolutely. Yeah. He's become more mm-hmm. talented. But just like the idea of who he is as an artist has been retained yeah. this entire time. And like, you know, I know leading up to this, he had that documentary come out and, he, you know, he's done mm-hmm. some interviews just talking about just his whole motivation behind this. The fact that, you know, the work of a basketball player comes in the offseason and we know his entire career has paralleled you know, these basketball metaphors and ideas, obviously, because of his, his own personal passion for that sport and how the parallels really exist within hip hop as well. Like all the yeah. work that comes into being a great rapper and a great artist happens in those moments when you you're not hearing from the artist. They have to happen mm-hmm. in those moments that are, you know, quote unquote, dubbed the offseason, putting in the work, flexing those muscles, practicing, putting in the hours, all of these ideas. And that was kind of the motivation behind this album. And he's, you know, he's sort of teased out the idea of retirement and, you know, doing maybe one more album after this, you know, the fall off idea, all of that different stuff. Uh, we'll just have to wait and see if that actually comes to fruition or not. But his whole motivation behind this is, OK, well, if these are my last couple of projects, then I need to leave nothing on the on the table. I need to know that I went 110 yeah. percent every time out the gate. And you can see it throughout this whole project. The lyrics are there. The lyrics are mm-hmm. always there. He is. I don't think anybody can di- deny at this point how talented he is as a rapper, yeah. as a lyricist. He obviously has that skill. He's one of the best in the game, um, arguably to some people, probably the best. You know, and you won't really hear me negate that for, for a lot of people in a lot of conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the tracks are good as well. Like the production mixed it up quite, yes. quite a few times which has not always been something that he's been able to do as well. I think in the past mm-hmm. people have, you know, criticized him for being a little, a little monotonous at times. Like sometimes you might get a project from J Cole and you're hearing nothing but his production and nothing but his voice. He's not working with anybody, you know, um, but that's not the case here. He, he switches it up. He tries different styles, different flows, and he shows like, I can, I can kind of do it all. It kind of mm-hmm. all works for me. And as a, as a fan, as a, as a, as a listener, Everything may not work for you, right? Because mm-hmm. we all, I think we all like our own pieces and aspects of J. Cole. And sometimes all of those things don't meet in the middle as neatly as they may for another artist, right? But I think that, um, I think if you enjoy his music, if you ever have enjoyed his music, you'll find something on this project that you'll like. And, you know, I would argue at this point, just only after a few listens, um, it's still early, but at this point, I would still argue that it, it's one of his more cohesively put together albums and it, it actually mm-hmm. works as a thematic experience especially with all the stuff that he's outlined that he's going for on this project um still want to listen to it in terms of like figuring out where it falls in you know jake hole rankings like obviously mm-hmm. i have my favorites forest hills drive kod like i think those were pretty exceptional projects personally but what's so interesting again about jake hole is that you'll see you'll see people say like oh no 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 born center for your eyes only or whatever like everybody's mm-hmm. gonna probably or even you know the die hard day ones friday night lights or what you know everybody's mm-hmm. gonna have a different answer so his career yeah. has just been so fascinating to see unfold and I, th- I think that's what makes him a really endearing artist is just because yeah. he, he he can be so versatile in that aspect and he can have people feeling so many different emotions and that's probably the genius of him at the end of the day. He might not mm-hmm. ever be universally loved or acclaimed, but that's OK. Like he'll always be respected still as one of the best to ever do it, really, because you can't yeah. again, you can't deny the talent. Um, 
but yeah, those are kind of the first thoughts about the offseason. I, I do enjoy it. I think it's really good. Um, and it'll probably grow with me even more with time. I think I'm going to like it, you know, even more. But there's mm-hmm. a lot of good stuff here and also some really great features in production as well that I really appreciate it getting on the Jake Hall project because we don't always get that. So I enjoyed it. I thought it was solid. Yeah, man. Jake Hall, Jake Hall. Cole World, no Snuggy, J. Cole. <laughs> Put an M on your head. Now you Luigi brother, J. Cole. No, it's funny. Um, hey, I, I do like this album a lot, man. You were talking about, you know, what, what Cole fans, um, who like, who likes what albums. I found J. Cole um, first with the warm up. That's the project I started with. Um, and, you know, on the cover, he's holding the basketball. Okay fire right this is when i meet cole he's going crazy right after that friday night lights comes out oh man he got basketball again all right man and then all his albums he just skips all that shit it's like nope nope. (laughs) except for sideline story sideline story you know we people talk about sideline story all right cole you need to fix it Warren center no 2014 forest hills drive no four your eyes only no kld no and then he brings the basketball back i said oh shit (laughs) <laughs> is this is this what i've been waiting for and you know in a lot of ways it is man um this this album to me the off season feels like mixtape cole it feels like so the difference with the come up is j cole being hungry he's like look y'all this nigga j called me and i'm a rapper but y'all don't know who i am so i'm just gonna spit track for track whatever here we are and i just feel like he's just talking his shit this is like a this is i've made it album right where a lot of a lot of his earlier projects weren't that uh born center isn't his talk shit album to me 2014 forest hills drive isn't a talk shit album to me this is a talk shit album if i ever heard one and i'm all the way here for it um there's I mean, again, you, you you spoke on this. This was one of the first albums where every song was not produced by J. Cole. In fact, most of it wasn't produced by J. Cole. And that is a success in my mind. Like, yes, because that, that was one of his biggest criticisms. But that was one of my biggest criticisms, too. It was like, OK, we get it. You can produce J. Cole. We know you have a degree. We get it. We got you, bro. Um, and And here he is finally, you know, kind of handing the reins. Um, to 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 other producers, you know, to to allow him to focus on just the bars, allow him to focus on just the delivery. And J. Cole does just that because for, this man can rap his ass off. I don't know if anybody's ever noticed. I mean, he could just rap his ass off. Cadence, bars, it's all there. Um, you know, you brought up something else which is interesting, which is J. Cole fans. And it, it's always so funny because, of course, I'm a Cole fan. But like there's like another level of fandom that other people have that is uh, it's weird, right? It's like a weird hotepi misogyny Philly thing that's going on. I'm like, why are y'all like this? I actually quite haven't like pinpointed why some J. Cole fans are like that, because in some ways, of course, you've seen like little snippets of Cole doing those things, right? The stuff with no name where he said. He lost me when he said he didn't read. I was like, okay, Cole, you need to go to bed and go to the library after you wake up uh, or and shit like that. I don't know what was going on, but I need 
I'm just still trying to understand in some ways where Cole fans get like this idea um, that he has the most intricate bars you've ever seen, which technically isn't true, right? He's a great lyricist, but we're not listening to Lupe Fiasco. He doesn't have like quadruple entendres that you don't understand. It's like, no, even though he's a great lyricist, he has great bars. They're straightforward. You don't like hear a bar and go, oh, my God, I can't believe he just broke the fifth dimension of rap. No, he's he's never done that. He's just a really good ass rapper. That's just what J. Cole is. And here I feel like he brought all of his strengths to the forefront. Um, again, that being said, I really like this project. Uh, sh- shout out to 21 Savage because they have become a duo that I just want to hear all the time. Like they could release a project right now and I'd be like, let's go. Like I want to, I, I want to hear that now more than, than I want to hear Kendrick and, and Cole, I think, because I don't know if they mesh as well on a complete project versus we've gotten them to on what, like three songs now Then I'm like, okay, we could do this. Um, And every time they're on the beat is amazing. It's just a good time, man. So I, I I do have to sit with this album a little bit more because the first time I heard it, I really liked it, but it wasn't like, oh my God, this is my favorite J. Cole album. I didn't say that right off the bat, you know? Um, And it's and, and something, you know, a lot of albums, I wish people sat with more before they decided to say something because people do it all the time. I guarantee you, whenever Drake drops Loverboy, people can play it's the best Drake album I've ever heard. And it's so crazy to me because both Drake and J. Cole, they are known to not their 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 classics are, are have always been questioned. Like their album, you know, the their, their classics have always it, it just is what it is. Like a lot of people will say, oh, 2014 Forest Hills Drive is a classic. I mean, you may say that, but it's a lot of people who don't. So it's like, what do we consider a classic, right? It's another conversation that music heads need to have. It's like, okay, what's a classic? But, um, you know, other rappers just don't have that problem, which is cool too. Um, But it's just, those are two artists that just have always kind of been either trying to figure it out or, you know, what so have so forth. So, um, again, I really like this. I don't think it has a lot of structure to it, which is great to me. That's why part of the reason it feels like mixtape Cole, it's not really a concept album. It like is in your mind, right? It's like, oh, this is an off-season. But also, that's what a mixtape is. That nigga just talking shit with with, with random tracks kind of thrown together. And that's cool, too. Um, That's cool, too. That's what what Drake does all the time, if you ask me. Does he have a concept album? Barely. Um, Does Cole have a concept album? Kind. I mean, KLD was like the closest I think he's ever gotten. Um, For Your Eyes was also a concept album. But 2014 Hills kind of wasn't. Born Center? Eh, it, it kind of wasn't uh so you know it's it, it's something um that again i would love to sit with more but on on the face level i really do like it a lot Colts repping his ass off the production is there i love the surprise from killer cam 21 savage of course boz was going to be on it he has to be on it but it, it, it was just cool to see uh cole man and it's a shorter album man it's like 12 tracks or something like that and that's that's cool too we've been talking about that not only in movies and, and but in music too um where these, these shorter digestible albums where people can concentrate on how good a track really is has been really really beneficial to these artists um and i'm here for it uh i hope other people start to drop things are getting better outside but i'm, I'm happy this this j call album is here um to, to to shake up the game a little bit man people as soon as the album dropped people's like started knocking knocking on the door like kendrick kendrick 
you see these niggas dropping music, you know, and I think in some ways people be like, Kendrick don't care. But I know in a lot of ways he low key side eye and like, hmm, I think, I, you know, everybody is a lot of rappers after J. Cole dropped. They're like they're, they're thinking they are. And that's just the, the nature of the game. When a big rapper drops, everyone starts to get a little itchy. And I'm excited for it, for that to, to pay off later. So good time, man. I like it. You, you talk about that relationship between him and Kendrick. You know, I think a lot of the times people often associate those two and also Drake in that conversation as well. Um, not only the fact that they all obviously all sort of came in around the same time, but they all have worked together at different points in their in their career. And they also kind of hit their primes around the yeah. same same time as well. So uh, it's always interesting to see sort of that competitive nature exist amongst like the fan base as well as I'm mm-hmm. sure it exists amongst the artists as well. But I think overall, this project, again, to, to everything you said, um, sort of echoing that, I think it did it did all the things it kind of needed to do. And I appreciated the fact that he just kind of went forward and just said, like, I'm going to mm-hmm. give bars. I'm going to give really solid production and I'm going to collaborate with a lot of people um, to what you were talking about earlier. Like that is a beneficial thing for him to do at the stage of his career, especially yeah. if the years are especially if we have less of Cole in the future to look forward to than more of Cole mm-hmm. in the future, to look forward to like, yes, please work with more people. Um, Cause mm-hmm. we want to see that. So I, I appreciate the whole effort. And I think that, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to live with this album and to really, um, really digest it and have a relationship with it, but I'm still also excited for what will come next, you know, not to, not to obviously rush him in that, in that sense. But I think that this album and whatever he puts out next are probably going to be very connected in that idea of what he's going for. And I think that that can be a really interesting thing that we'll look back on with his career. Like, oh, yeah, this this era of J. Cole's career was a very definable stage. This was, a, oh, yeah. you know, I'm, 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 I'm in my prime, but I may also be deciding to hang it up. I might try to go out as like a champion mm-hmm. on top instead of sticking around for, for longer and not, maybe not being as good as I used to be. So I'm interested to see where all of this goes. But I, I you know, I agree with you I, for the most part. I really like this album and I think it's uh, I think he did what he needed to do. Um, and it, it will, we'll, I guess, you know, time will tell how, how it how it resonates with the fan base on how great it will be and how we compare it to others. So, um, yeah, yeah, I think it all worked out. But let's let's talk about somebody else that dropped music this past weekend. Um, it, it was a bit unexpected. I, I, I think people walked in with a little bit different expectations on what this is going to look like. But Nicki Minaj, you know, had sort of. Um, sort of, you know, made herself present again amongst the social media and Internet space. And so people were wondering, like, OK, is there going to be new music here? Is it just going to be one song? Is it going to be a full album? People didn't really know. She didn't make it 100 percent clear. However, what she did do is make her mixtape, Beam Me Up Scotty, available on streaming platforms. So Beam Me nope. Up Scotty is her third mixtape, came out in 09. Um, that was the one that really really popularized her amongst like most Mm -hmm. most mostly you know sort of the the mainstream um that's when she obviously started working with young money cash money um she had a lot of the features with um with 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 birdman lil wayne gucci Mane. like those were the those were the songs from that mixtape that really kind of took her to the next level and made her a, a really mainstream success and so it's been made available on streaming platforms which has been sort of a trend lately that i think a lot of artists are re- revisiting to do um because those those mixtapes have special places in our hearts and we know that the mixtape game is it's obviously a lot different now than what it used to be so there's a business side of you know getting these things available made available on, on streaming platforms but i'm glad to see that people are doing it um mm-hmm. but in addition to making that available she also released 
a few new tracks. Um, and most notably out of that new set is Seeing Green, which is a collab with her, um, Lil Wayne and Drake. And so mm -hmm. that also came out um, with this mixtape added in as well. So, um, I mean, overall, what do you think about the idea of making this available, you know, to the masses? And also, you know, what did you think about that specific song? I mean, first and foremost, it's genius, right? Uh, it, it, it has been. I mean, this is easily uh, Nikki's, you know, uh, most beloved mixtape. Easy. Uh, Beam Me Up Scotty is where a lot of people found her. This is this is where Itty Bitty Piggy came from. Um, <laughs> this is uh, she put her best I ever had remix on the track list. I remember. Um, and it's just like, what if if you need time in between when you actually release your real album? Why not re-release this? Drake just did it, right? So far gone. Um, you know, other chance did it with, with, with 10 Day and Acid Rap. Why can't Nikki do be me up Scotty? And here she is. Um, and she went the genius route. Part two of what makes it genius is they said we're gonna put the big three of YMCMB back together yeah. for another track, real quick. Nikki, Drake, and Wayne. And they have always kill tracks together there just is what it is and so everyone instantly not only feels a sense of nostalgia but a sense of oh this is the shit like what <laughs> <Right>. else <laughs> like is this what we got going on is this what the summer is bringing us like not only is itty bitty piggy on streaming services but now you give us a new wayne drizzy and nikki verse like is that what's what's happening what year is this we don't know if it's 2021 or freaking 2009 we we really don't know what year this is like you know it's like what what's going on so it's just really good um to see some 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 um i guess you know playing both worlds which is what nikki does here she she's playing both worlds she both she plays on uh uh the the new and the old the nostalgia in the future and i really uh appreciate that from the move they made here plus seeing green is a crazy track i yes. mean the production is amazing Every, everyone was like, oh, man, this sound like Mixtape Wayne all over again, which is funny because if y'all would have listened to B.B. King Freestyle, he had already <laughs> showed glimpses that he was going to be back because B.B. King Freestyle, Wayne went crazy. And here we are again with Wayne going crazy. And then Drake came in talking shit, which is amazing. Um, he, he really did come in, come in crazy on seeing Green. And he said he was the goat in his verse. Yep. Right next, right next, like Wayne heard, you know, like <laughs> we, we know Wayne is on the same and to, to for Drake to be able to say that um, on the same track with Wayne. I know it was liberating for Drake a little bit. Right. Because um, in a lot of ways, he's always been seen as, as uh, uh, Wayne's understudy or Wayne's little brother. Right. Or uh, because that's the direction, you know, that he that he took um, early, in, early in his career. And so for Drake to be able to say that it's like not only you know, Wayne is starting to think about it, but fans are starting to think about it. Fans of just YMCMB in general, like, man, we, Drake might be better than Wayne now, you know? And it, it, it's like a realization because people, until the, until that moment in my mind, you don't really put it into words or you don't really think about it too hard. But Drake is Drake, you know? And and, and Wayne, um, of course, has has his, his own, uh, you know, tenure as, a, as an artist, but this... It's, it's something to note um, in, in Drake's career there, too. But uh, this is going to resurface as the the summer of Nicki, man. Uh, she had another track, old track on there, Chirac with G Herbo, which is actually um, another old song. 
that that she put on there back when that's back when G Herbo was a little herb. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wasn't in G Herbo yet, so um, it's just it's just really cool to see um, Nikki putting some life back into to, into some rap too. To be honest, because actually with the release of Beat Me Up, Scotty, all the people that bought the album actually pushed Nikki back up to the highest selling female rapper. Like uh, maybe the, I don't know if it's like this year or last year. I forgot the exact stat, but the fact that she's like passing all the TikTok stars, like with Cardi being up and Savage by uh, uh, Begging the Stallion, is you know that's a that's a big feat in my mind um, to be able to just. And she she told him she's like, don't put none of my shit on TikTok. Um, <laughs> so to be able to just come back. With uh, somewhat of an old school approach, right? Like not releasing a TikTok ish song and to be able to come back um, on top of some of these other really popular female artists right now was crazy. So, uh, especially with an old project, she she released like three new songs, technically, <laughs> and yeah. and she and she did all that. So it's it's really dope to see, man. So cool, it's cool. Yeah, uh, I mean, she's she she reasserted her place as the queen of the heap at the top of the food chain when it comes to this rap stuff, uh, especially amongst the the female rappers. And it, you know, mm-hmm. I agree. It, it was a smart business move, obviously to do this. It, it, it not only makes sense from that end, but it also does a lot for your fan base. It just re-energizes them and reminds people like, yeah, all these people still love me. Like they still are supporters are still loyal. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great reminder for uh, general audiences, but then also, I guess the folks in the industry who would be considered her competition, uh, but Nikki's been doing it for a long time now, and uh-huh. she she she's still in she's still in a league of her own. She's still in a class of her own because she's accomplished so much, you know, more than any other female rapper has ever accomplished, you know, over this long of a career. And mm-hmm. so it, it's been it's been quite a journey to see that, and then to you know to everything you said doing the track with Wayne and and, and Drake, smart move as well to to bring back those three, which. I mean, it's just crazy how 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 time has worked out for all three of them, because, I, you know, I remember on those earlier tracks, anytime it was those three together or even if it was like a Drake and Wayne track or a Nicki and Wayne track. Mm-hmm. It's it's crazy to see the development, how things have changed over time, because you can go back and point to those songs and see how deferential Nicki and Drake used to be to Wayne because they would often let him go last as 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 the rapper on the track. But now mm-hmm. you fast forward and we hear seeing Green and Drake is the he's the one to close the song out. And I think that speaks very much to where all of them are in hip hop now. Like Drake is the king of everything now. And that that wasn't always the case, like when Drake was coming in and, you know, to your point, still sort of being the understudy of Wayne, though, he very much has his own lane and does his own style. And he is his own artist 100% through and through and he's earned everything that he's gotten um, but that association with Wayne it only benefited him and, and helped him in the long run but there's obviously again that competitive piece of it that we just talked yeah. about with like Drake and and Kendrick and, and Cole that also exists between Drake and Wayne and they've gone back and forth on tracks many many times more than we could count but it's just so it's, it's so interesting to see that like Drake is the one to close it out now because he's he's the man he's the one at the top of the mountain yep. but you know to, to circle it back to Nikki, um, I, I don't have much more to add than what you've already said. It was just it was just a great move. And so this is this is only wetting the appetite of so many people that just want to hear a host of new music from her. And we know an album is eventually going to come. She's taking some time away from music, obviously, you know, with the birth of her da- daughter and things of that nature. But uh, she's going to be back really soon. I think yep. it's pretty evident at this point. 
Um, so folks are now just waiting to see what comes next and what she'll do. So um, big, 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 excellent move by Nikki. Smart thing to do to do that and re-release. Um, Beam me up, Scotty. Obviously, like you said, our most beloved mixtape. So we'll, we'll see what she does in the future and where, where it all goes. Um, let's go ahead and shift gears and talk about the news of the week. A few things happened over the past week. We got some new trailers for some movies that are coming out this summer. Again, movie theaters are reopening. So we're starting to see some faith placed back into movie theaters and studios are starting to roll stuff out and get the marketing kicked up. First, we're going to just talk quickly about the Green Knight trailer. This is going to be A24's latest movie. Um, again, another film that was supposed to come out a year ago last summer, if I'm not mistaken, or maybe even last spring, but it got pushed mm -hmm. back and they decided to to hold on to it and not release it on a streaming service or make it available digitally or video on demand. They, they are holding it for theaters. And so the Green Knights coming out July 30th. We got our first look at it starring Dev Patel. Um, what do you think about this first look at it, man? Holy shit. I am ready. I don't <laughs> even I don't even. I have no idea what the hell this movie is about, nor do I care. I really don't care. It just looks fucking amazing. Like, I, that's it, man. The cinematography looks great. Again, I love trailers that give you cinematography because it's like, oh, man, this should look good because it's like it, it just draws a lot of things together for me. And the, the way the actual character, the Green Knight, looks um, in the moment that you see him in the trailer, it looks great. It just looks really good. Like, imagine just the fucking the 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 White Walker King and <laughs> and just dial him up a couple notches. And that's the fucking Green Knight. And it just it, it looks great, man. Again, I have no idea what it's about, but I need that shit. I'm ready. We we never tickets are available. I need we got to press the button because I'm in that hole. Uh, let's a 24, bro. Back at it again. I think this movie I'm very happy they pushed it back. I would have been pissed to see another A24 joint, not in theaters, just because they, again, they just distribute the right films for me that feel like not always IMAXers, right? But like these films, it's like, I need to be in a theater when I watch this. Um, and and it, and in some ways, they, they are IMAXers, right? There are movies that A24 has that's like, ooh, man, this will look great at IMAX. So um, The Green Knight is just one of the movies. It looks that beautiful. Uh, the cinematographer is killing it. The art is killing it. Let's get down to it and let's go watch The Green Knight. A24, their taste level is impeccable. They just know what they're doing. They know how to pick them. They know their brand and they know the films that only help illuminate and speak to their brand. And this is another one that's going to be a part of that. I have no doubt about it. Uh, David Lowry, the director, uh, he most recently just did The Old Man and the Gun, which is Robert Redford's like, you know, retirement movie. Really, really, really great movie. Great, great movie. And so I'm excited to see this because I'm like, OK, he did an excellent job with that film, um, you know, taking one of the greatest actors who's ever lived and gave him a, a, a fitting send off. And so this is obviously going to be more of a epic medi medieval fantasy uh, might even be some 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 aspects of an adventure story, I, I would assume, with Dev Patel's character in search of the Green Knight. Um, we obviously, again, like to your point, that the trailer, I think, is purposefully ambiguous in and of itself uh, because the story, we, we just need to experience the story. We don't really need to know what it's about. Just give us mm -hmm. the vibes. Give us the energy. Give us the, mm -hmm. the, the style of the film. And if and if that speaks to you, then that's enough to get you in that movie theater to go see it. And I think the story in, its, in and of itself will unfold as it will. And we'll either like it or we won't. But by all means, from the look of this trailer, I'm going to love it. So Hell I can't yeah. wait. 
I can't wait. It looks it looks, looks so great. Good. And yeah, and and the last thing I'll say also like the the design of the Green Knight, they went with real prosthetics, real makeup. Excellent mm-hmm. choice, you know. I, I wouldn't have expected them to go CG cuz this is a, you know, a smaller film, but I you know, just he he looks incredible. He looks phenomenal. So I think that's yeah. just going to translate really well on a big screen. So super excited for the Green Knight. Um another another trailer we got Snake Eyes. Um we got mm-hmm. our first teaser look at this just most recently at the MTV Movie Awards, which just aired this past Sunday, um, this is the latest, I guess, installment into the G.I. Joe franchise. This is sort of an origin story for Snake Eyes, the character. Uh, the, the subtitle of it is actually G.I. Joe Origins. So I knew that this movie was coming. And I didn't realize it was coming this year. I kind of forgot mm-hmm. about it. Um, but mm-hmm. they released a really quick 60 second quick teaser trailer and it's coming out in theaters july 23rd and it's starring um it's starring henry golding you know who's become really famous from his appearance in, in crazy rich asians um so he he's he's leading this film here what did you what did you think about just this quick look at snake eyes first of all i didn't know henry golding had this in him but i also haven't seen like I don't know, like the you've seen the gentleman. I haven't seen the gentleman or like oh, what yeah. he does mm-hmm. um, in, in, in a movie like that. But in my mind, I'm like Henry Golding, like Crazy Rich Asians, Last Christmas, A Simple Favor, all these other like non action kind of kind of joints that he has going on kind of movies. I was like, what? Uh, but, you know, th- then I watched the trailer. And what I'm happy to see from the trailer is the amount of action in the movie. Like they gave us like six different action sequences um what you can imagine is probably a lot in you know rounded hour 30 minute movie right mm-hmm. and that that's i'm cool with that i'm happy that's what they gave us because that is what snake eyes is snake eyes kicks ass he is a gi joe ass kicker <laughs> <laughs> and so i i um i think i'm excited in that sense i like henry golding too i think he's a very charismatic actor hopefully he continues to do um even more uh, uh, things out of his comfort zone like this. This feels out of his comfort comfort zone to me because I've never seen him in something like this. So I hope he pulls through and this is a good movie because um, if so, you know, we could be seeing, uh, I don't know, a, 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 another, I don't know if emerging star is the word, but he's not talked about, you know, people are, don't sure. just bring up Henry Golding out of nowhere. Um, so I, I hope this is just one of those. Um, again, it was only a minute, but it's, it's Snake Eyes. And if I know that's a lot of people's favorite character. It was one of mine um, watching any kind of G.I. Joe, anything. So I, I just hope they they bring that action. And if and if that that trailer is any indication, I think it'll be there and just hopefully it's good. So we'll see, man. I don't know yet because the other G.I. Joe's are mad, right? They're like, eh, they're like, OK, like watchable. But do you have to watch it? Not necessarily. So hopefully this is like the shit for them. And I, I, I'm hoping for the best. Yeah, that's why I'm, you know, honestly, to, that, that's a, that's why I'm a little surprised that this movie's happening because those other movies were just like, eh, okay, you know, yeah. it's fine, and you know, whatever. They 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 didn't make the most money, you know. GI Joe mm-hmm. is a is a pretty niche segmented audience. I think mm-hmm. similar to like a Star Trek, for example, like yeah. these these properties aren't going to make a billion dollars at the box office, which is fine. That shouldn't be the the bar for everybody. Like you have your audience, great. Um, but I'm kind of I'm kind of surprised that they 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 move forward with this and they're doing essentially another G.I. Joe esque film and, you know, trying to get in, you know, Paramount is like the, the, the parent studio behind it. So, of course, you know, they're looking for any 
existing IP that they have to try to make money from it. So from a business standpoint, I suppose that that makes sense. But yeah, you know, the trailer itself was was, was cool. It was fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you say, there was a lot of action, and especially for it to only be 60 seconds. Like this is a really quick look. This isn't even a full length trailer. So I think uh, even to that end, it was kind of impressive that they fit all that in there. Um, but they want to get people excited about it. And I'm I'm also interested to see where Henry Golding goes with this character. Cause yeah, he's, he's done, you know, more, uh, more stoic performances. <laughs> you know, I think like crazy rich Asians, that was a great breakout performance for him, but his other things that he's done has, you know, have leaned heavily into the romance drama side of right. things and not so much the action. So um, he could potentially, if the physicality's there, he could be really good at this. We, 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 we don't know, you know, this might be a skill set that we are not all that familiar with him, but if he, mm-hmm. if he doesn't, you know, an excellent job, it could, it could mean great things. So I think we'll just, we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, um, and the writer again, is, mm-hmm. is mad. He's like weirdly decorated. <laughs> like mm-hmm. the writer, mm-hmm. I don't know how to say his name. Evan Spill, Evan Spill, Spillatopolis. I think uh-huh. is how you say it. that is he has a crazy life, but he's done like the recent Charlie's Angels, which is a decent. It's a decent movie. Um, Beauty and the Beast, twenty seventeen. Oh, the live the action Hunts- one. Okay, he did, he did Huntsman, the second one, I think. Um, the 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 Rock Hercules movie. This is the writer again, not anything else. I'm like, you, this dude has done. I think he also did like maybe Lion King one and a half, mm-hmm. which is like he's just random in my mind. He's just done a bunch of random stuff. Um, so I'm like kind of interested on how he landed here at Snake Eyes too, but I I guess it that's, fits him. Yeah, that's a really interesting IMDb. I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what to call that because <laughs> all of those things are pretty wildly yeah. different. I mean, they're all big, they're all big properties, you know. Right. So to some mm-hmm. extent, some of like some of those you name have worked, other ones have not worked. Uh, so maybe he's good at adapting things, you know, that have sort of maybe pre-existing mythology or IP uh, uh, associated uh, uh, with uh, them. Maybe. I, I don't know. But that that is, that's a pretty interesting track record. And yeah, I don't know how it translates to Snake Eyes, but maybe it will. We'll see. We'll yep. definitely see. Um, we got another trailer for another franchise that is somehow still going. It's still kicking the Forever Purge um, just dropped <laughs> its first trailer. It's going to be coming out this uh, 4th of July weekend, July 2nd. Uh, this is what the fifth movie in the franchise, I believe. Yes. In, 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 on top of a, a TV series that they had run on USN Network for a while. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this is another one. Again, another film that was supposed to come out a year ago, got pushed back. And here we are. The Forever Purge is going to be coming out in theaters. Um, you know, Mm-mm. hey, I Mm-mm. listen, nah, it is. It is what it is at this point. <laughs> you know, we're we're gonna we're gonna get it regardless of whether or not we choose to like it or see it. Uh hey man, I I, I guess I guess I guess we're doing it. Th- this is what I'll say about this purge franchise. Great idea has always been a great idea. Highs and lows. My favorite one is still the second one, the purge anarchy. Mm-hmm. Um, but that most recent one, and we, I think we, we, we've talked about it plenty of times at nauseum, just about how black it was. Um, mm-hmm. this is, this is shifting gears to being a more, um, Latin oriented version of the purge. I think it's, yes. it's, it's going to be partially set in Mexico at least, or entirely set in Mexico. Um, so I think that they have, <laughs> I think they've reached a place of understanding like, okay, 
we know who our audience is, so let's absolutely mm-hmm. stack it up to the brim with characters that 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 look like our audience, which inherently nothing is wrong with that. But that net that shouldn't necessarily be. I don't know if that should necessarily be what you're selling your film on. If that should be the, the yeah. sole purpose, it, it should. I think it should feel more natural. That's what mm-hmm. I'll say about it. I don't know completely what it'll turn out to be because obviously we haven't seen the movie. It could turn out to 100 percent work, but it appears it appears mm-hmm. like they are. Uh, what's what's that word um, that people like to use when it's like you're you're disingenuously trying to give us something? Um, oh, man, yeah. I can't. Um, um can't think of the word right now uh yeah it'll come to me but they're obviously trying to pandering thank you they are pandering they oh that they're they are 100 doing that it's clear it's clear and evident as hell that they are pandering to a specific segment of the audience which just feels uh a little heavy-handed but it it, Mm. it is what it is what what do you think about this trailer this trailer sucks i ain't gonna lie y'all this movie this movie is about to be ass i just feel it I just know this movie's but like if you've ever seen like some you, you ever seen the you ever seen Leatherface? I yeah, actually never I actually haven't seen the movie, but I've seen the trailer and that's all I needed to see. And it mm-hmm. does not look good. It's and nice. this trailer reminded me of Leatherface, the trailer. And I was like, why does this look so bad? It just looks bad to me. Like I feel like the money is not there anymore. Um yeah. It's really weird because they haven't been they were never the biggest budget movies, but I think there's something to be said about I could I could still tell there was like some amount of care in the way the production was handled, even though Mm. the budget wasn't that high. And when I see this trailer, it just looks bad. It looks like they're making bad choices uh, to where they want this to go. And I think. I think they. I think when it's all said and done, I know it hasn't came out yet. I know I'm prejudging really early, but this looks like <laughs> it might be the worst purge of the five movies that we've ever seen. Because even technically the first, not the movie, the first purge, but the first movie, the first purge to come out 2013 mm-hmm. is technically known as the worst reviewed, even though in my mind, it's not the bad of a movie, but it right. is technically like, again, like the critically, it is technically the worst of the four that exists now. Which all the other ones are cool, right? Like other ones are like, okay, they're all watchable. This looks like I'm gonna watch this maybe once and I'm gonna be done forever. Like I could low-key go back and watch the other purges again. I can't. They're like, of course you know what happens, but again, they're like cool little movies to me. But this one just looks like it's so ridiculous and out of pocket. And there's about to be a bunch of racist ass Texans chasing, yep. chasing the Mexican population because they're racist the purge the purge the 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 purge that year has ended and now all the races are like hell no the purge didn't end this is the forever purge and they're just about to go around and killing hispanics i'm what this shit sounds terrible i'm sorry because it doesn't feel like the same stipulations as the other ones in a lot of different ways like the the, what makes the first purge cool, of course, is black, but it's like, OK, how do we get here? Like, what is the first they tested the first purge on black people? Let's explore that. And they did that. Or the first purge movie is like, let's look at this rich family. It was more about poverty. This one is like racism on top of racism. I don't know. It just feels stupid. And it doesn't. Again, it looks weird. The violence looks weird. It looks really cheesy. It's like all the it's like take a I don't know take whatever 
it just doesn't look good. I think it's going to suck. That's all I have to say about it. <laughs> it probably will suck. I mean, how many how many, you know, sort of horror franchises have existed where the fifth film is like, yes, that was the one. <laughs> That that fifth one, y'all like, no, no, you never you you never hear that shit like this is uh, I mean, it was inevitable that this was going to get made. You know, the last one, the first purge Mm -hmm. that came out a few years ago, made the most money in the whole franchise and made one hundred and thirty seven million. The film itself cost like thirteen million dollars. So, oh yeah, they killed it. It was only natural that they were going to make another one up. Allegedly, Mm -hmm. this is the final one. I think that's bullshit. I think like unless it completely bombs now, if it bombs, which it very well may, because we're Mm -hmm. not we're not completely out of this pandemic. People are not 100 percent back in theaters at this point yet. It may completely just like shit the bed. Uh, And in 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 that case, it might be the last one. But if this comes out, it ends up being a hit like July Mm -hmm. 4th weekend. And from from my vantage point, just looking at the release calendar, it doesn't have any competition that weekend. Nothing else mm. is coming out. You know what I'm saying? So, like, if yep. people decide all of a sudden, like, shit, movie theaters are kind of back open. Why not? Let's go see it. We know that mm-hmm. this franchise has typically given us something to be entertained by, and they give it a chance. If it makes enough money, I don't think it, I don't think this would be the last one. But I, you know, it does look like a. It, it looks like a TV movie at best. Really, it looks like <laughs> it looks like it belongs on like it USA really Network. Does. Like they didn't put any resources into this at all. And yeah, man, that that pandering just ain't it, you know. And yeah. there's a there's a drug cartel, you know, aspect to it. It's like Mm-mm. what the fuck? What what are we doing now? Like just yep. now now me. it's now it's becoming a joke in yep. and of itself, you know. Now you lost me. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> So we'll uh, we'll stick around and see what happens with the Forever Purge again. That's coming out July 2nd in theaters. Knives Out is loading up. The cast Second. is taking shape. We uh we we've been looking out for Knives Out, this sequel we've been talking about on the show and they've been making some announcements. So last week we talked about Dave Batista getting added to the cast and literally every day last week they, they announced somebody new. So we just found out recently Edward Norton, Janelle Monet and Catherine Hahn are joining the sequel for Knives Out, which will, of course, be coming out on Netflix. Netflix decided to drop all the money in the world for this movie and to to, to just make Ryan Johnson and Daniel Craig the richest men in Hollywood at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, we're getting a sequel really soon here. They're obviously getting ready to go in production, announcing the cast. I'm sure we're going to hear more this week and probably even next week on, on some additional cast members. But Edward Norton, Janelle Monae, Catherine Hahn. Uh, wow impressive so far they they are on a good they're in a good direction they're doing really good joining you know again dave batista and we already know daniel craig is coming back um to to this film as well um what what stands out to you about these particular casting announcements nothing they're all just great uh uh, what does stand out is how different they are i don't think we'll i don't think we'll be back at a family dynamic I think mm-hmm. I think I think we'll we'll be doing something different. I don't know what that is yet. Maybe it's a I don't know the workplace or maybe some people live in an apart, apartment building. <laughs> yeah, bro. I, I just <laughs> knives out. I just thought about the workplace and <laughs> knives out. That that's actually yeah. fucking hilarious. I did. I I recently uh, watched uh, the Belko experiment over. Um, oh, I haven't seen that. You never seen the Belko experiment Mm-mm. out of pocket. It's pretty much a lot of death in the workplace. Um, so Yikes. I can just I can just imagine like somebody getting killed at work, and these are all mm-hmm. the people in the office or something. You know, something crazy. I just I just hope it, it I just hope it goes um in a really cool direction. But these great cast members, bro. There's nothing much more to say. Is that I can't wait to see who else gets added. 
because this is a this is a great start. Of course, of course, my girl Janelle. We got to talk about Janelle Monet. OK, Kansas City Zone is entering um, a, another movie. She needs something after that terrible, <laughs> um, <laughs> that terrible movie that uh, what's what, what is even the name of it? Sorry, so the, oh, Antebellum. Uh, Antebellum, yeah, because that was not it. Um, so I'm excited to see her revamp herself <laughs> with her knives out, too, man. Um, but Catherine Hahn, again, just seen her, um, of course, in now, I guess, an award winning show. They just won. Was it MTV Awards yesterday? What was yeah, it? MTV Movie Awards or MTV t- maybe TV show? Mo- mo- movie and TV. I think it. I think it won Best TV Show. If I'm not yeah. mistaken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, WandaVision won Best TV Show. So Catherine Hahn is here to kill it. I can't remember the last thing I seen Edward Norton in. I'm trying to think. Like what? Did you see Brooklyn? And he was in that. He was in that. Yes, and or, that's actually not. Um, it was called Brooklyn something. I, I'm, Brooklyn. I'm, um. Cause just uh, just Brooklyn is, uh, yeah yeah I can't remember I didn't I didn't end up saying it but I, uh, I, I motherless I that, motherless Brooklyn is the name of that movie motherless Brooklyn which is actually another stacked movie like the guy like Bruce Willis and Alec Baldwin and Willem Dafoe shit's crazy um but uh, low key they could add Willem Dafoe to this and I would be excited as shit oh if uh, they did that <laughs> shit say say less say less <laughs> Willem Dafoe that's one of my favorite actors say less yeah, bro man. he's so great uh. But that uh, it's a good movie. You got Google in it. So it, you know, they're all doing great things. And so nice out to just sh- shaking up to be good, man. I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. Yeah, these these are all great additions. Uh, I, only thing I'm going to say, whatever the fucking crime is, Catherine Hahn did it. She is the culprit. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. Whoever, whatever the damn crime is, whatever happens, I'm whoever so dies, <laughs> Catherine Hahn did that shit, y'all. Yes, she did. So uh, he knows spoiler, already. Spoiler alert. That's that's all. That's all. As soon, bro, as soon as she, I'm like, oh, well, shit. We just saw what happened in WandaVision. This makes 100% sense. Um, Agatha all along. Yeah, could be dead ass wrong. Probably will be. They'll probably it's be intent- Janelle Monet. No, it's not yeah, they're, they're they're going to intentionally write a different ending so that it so that we can't predict that it's Catherine Hyde. I know um, they're listening. They are. But uh, yeah, no, this is this is excellent. This is going to be so much fun. Um, I, I, I love also too how more and more people are starting to see the first movie like they might not have seen mm-hmm. it in theaters, but mm-hmm. they're watching it now and people are starting to realize like hey fucking knives out is a great film like this is a really fun movie yes uh so i'm really excited that hopefully by you know the second one especially the fact that it's going to be on netflix so everybody will have access to it i think this is going to do huge huge business for them so Mm -hmm. so many people are going to watch this it's going to be it's going to be big so knives out too we'll see who else joins the cast i'm sure we'll have some more news to report on next week in other news Regina King is going to be directing the motion picture adaptation of the acclaimed image comic series Bitter Roots, Mm -hmm. which is about a family of monster hunters set during the vibrant Harlem Renaissance of 1924. So Regina King, gainfully employed, has her next job, her next directing job lined up. So um, this is interesting because it seems like she's really leaning into dedicating her time to directing. Um, not to say that she won't act again. Of course, I think she mm-hmm. will continue. But it looks like she is she is very much taking the directing chair very serious into the future. And so she's going to be directing a comic book movie. This is uh this is pretty exciting. Um, bit of root is you know not necessarily one of the more well known comic series, but I think it right. definitely has an audience and has done done really well for Image Comics. And again, has been been very highly regarded. So 
this feels like a pretty perfect match. It seems like on the surface in terms of the story and then mm -hmm. also her as a filmmaker. Uh, any 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 thoughts about or expectations about what this might look like from Regina? Yeah. So what's cool about just Bitterroot um, versus a lot of other comic books we know, right? Like Black Panther or whether it's Black Lightning, Luke Cage is the entire team that made Bitterroot is black versus there was no like white Stan Lee making Black Panther. You know, this that this this Bitterroot is for us by us. Um, and, uh, and that's really cool. And so I think it's really cool to see Regina King coming off Watchmen, another comic book property, right? Going into uh, a smaller known project like Bitterroot. They're fucking monster hunting kids from Harlem. Like, it's just really mm -hmm. cool. I mean, not all kids. It's like adults and shit, too. But it's, it's just really it's just really cool to see, man. I think um, I think she's excited. I think she just pumped up after she knows Watchmen felt good. I know uh, that she watched Lovecraft Country. You know yeah. what I mean? And I, I could just tell she just kind of she just she just pumped up. And of course, after directing um, um, One Night in Miami, too, she's ready to go. And so I think this is a great project for her. And I'm, I'm just excited to see, you know, where it leads. Hopefully it's as batshit um, as the actual comic is, because it's kind of what it's like a mix between Lovecraft Country and any vampire thing you've ever seen or anybody who hunts monsters. Um, that's it's it's pretty dope um, if you ever get a chance to check it out. So, uh, shoot, Regina, let's go bring us some comic book content. Uh, maybe this will fill my void until Ava gets it together, whatever she has going on in the comic book world. But I'm, I'm ready to see it from her, man. Yeah, I think it'll be great. Um, and I'm, I'm glad to see her entering this space of, you know, so it's, you know, to your point, the fact that it has a origin in comics, this is going to enter into a, a fantasy action, you know, sort of space for her. And I, I think mm -hmm. she she absolutely has shown that she can deliver on the character and the story. And yeah. so now we can see her, you know, sort of elevate and ramp up and do spectacle and do these bigger, bigger themes and ideas and just like these big set pieces that I'm, I'm fully expecting with this. So, yeah, I, I think this is going to be great. I'm really, really excited about the fact that this is going to be even a thing that's happening. The fact that we'll even get this like Bitterroot is uh, definitely definitely something that the people who've discovered up until this point, they know how special it is. So I'm, I'm ready for the world to see how special that this could end up being. So definitely looking forward to it. Mm -hmm. um, in our last news item of the week, just recently, what we just found out uh, a new development, I guess, in the streaming wars has come about. Warner Media will be soon merging with Discovery. Uh, so AT&T, who... I guess now formally is the parent company of Warner Media. They just announced plans um, to join and spin off that entertainment brand and division to merge with Discovery Inc., which is a deal that's going to create a TV film and streaming behemoth that uh, is going to rival those of Disney and Netflix. And it's basically going to mm -hmm. take the Warner Media company such as CNN and HBO and Warner Brothers, the movie studio, and 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 put them underneath the same umbrella as Animal Planet, Food Network, HGTV, Travel Channel. Um, so just three years ago, AT&T bought Warner Media for mm -hmm. $85 billion. My God. Ridiculous amount of just inconceivable money. And... Mm -hmm. In that very short time, they have decided, yeah, no, we don't want to do this anymore. 
so we're just gonna we're just gonna go ahead and just get rid of Warner Media, go back to what we know as like a telecommunications mm-hmm. company. This new deal, this merger of Discovery and Warner Media, it's rumored to be valued at a uh, forty-three billion um, mm-hmm. between like cash and bonds. Um, I, you know, I'm not a a, a a business person. I don't know the ins and outs of all of this. All all that I do know and what this means is that. Again, Discovery and Warner are now becoming one company, um, which will now make them one of the biggest media companies in the world. Mm-hmm. It may they may the, the value of them. I don't think it'll surpass Disney. I think they're going to be estimated to be valued over 100 billion. And I'm pretty sure Disney is above that. And Netflix is definitely above that. But it'll put them yeah. in the conversation as mm-hmm. like being one of the top three against those two. And we know how how much streaming and how much those, you know, those sort of competitive places are dictating the future of entertainment and content creation. Um, but this is just interesting to me that uh, AT&T has sort of backed out of this game so so mm-hmm. quickly um, and decided to get rid of Warner. I, and obviously, you know, we've talked about, too, just all the stuff that's happened between, like, Warner Brothers as a studio and HBO Max as a streaming service and how they, you know, they, st- they stumbled out of the gate um, and they're trying to get back on track. And they're obviously... They're not. Uh, I mean, they've they've done fine numbers in terms of in terms mm-hmm. of streaming, but they're not in the conversation again of Disney and Netflix. Disney they just announced they have 103 million subscribers. Netflix is well over 200 million at this point. Um, wow. Most recently, I saw the HBO Max is around that 40 40 million area, but mm-hmm. even even that conversation is muddy because that's factoring in cable subscriptions versus like new signups and all of this yep. is just red tape that. If you have to explain it that deep to people, I think that they're trying to obviously do something to mask how far they mm-hmm. really are behind in this war, um, which is a shame because I, I I so I so much appreciate and love HBO Max as a streaming service. They they have Same, such bro. such yep. great shit, you know. But yep. um, this is uh this is this is an interesting move, and yeah, Oprah Winfrey net network and and CNN are going to be under the same umbrella, you know. So this, this is, is uh. This is crazy times. Um, any any mm-hmm. any thoughts on this deal and the, this this new development? Hey, turn HBO Max up. That's my thought because I actually think, um, in some ways, not always. Of course, Disney is always going to be Disney, but this does open up kind of their content closer to to what Disney has, um, mm. because they have National Geographic and because Disney has, I don't know, some of these other random channels. Uh, that they have it it allows hbo i can go to hbo and watch some food network shit that sounds cool to me (laughs) like i don't like i I couldn't do that before you know like i I just didn't do that before uh it's interesting because i have to look for some cooking shows but people love like channels like uh tlc bro there's so many tlc shows that i know people just watch like just they just watch it's just they just it is what it is or diy or just a lot of these random information I'm trying to learn and watch documentary ish kind of channels um, that they now get under this discovery. So I'm hoping, you know, it like you can turn a you can turn to Disney plus and watch some, some national geo, or you can turn to HBO max and turn on animal planet. Like in my (laughs) mind, that's, that's, it's very small competition, but it exists. Like you can do that. Eventually you'll be able to do that on both now. And O is huge, bro. There's so much stuff on Oprah Winfrey Network that I wish I could have watched, but I just simply didn't have the channel. Like, right. There's very specific packages on YouTube TV and Sling TV and other cable, anything that you have to get in order to get O (laughs) in in order to get that network. Um, And I'm excited to see some of that black content pop up on HBO that 
uh, the, that that network has that Oprah Winfrey network has, you know, and I think that's really cool. That's a it, it may not it may be small in the grand scheme of things, but I think for black folk who like HBO, that's low key a steal. Like you about to get that shit for free, low key or not for free, but you know for what probably the price you already pay for it. Maybe the price does go up. Maybe maybe HBO does raise it, but it's still a it's still something to note. You don't have to buy an entire package to potentially get some Oprah Winfrey network stuff now you know what i mean so i think yeah i think it, i think it's cool on the user side i don't know what the hell warner got going on or what the hell at&t's identity crisis is but from a user perspective uh i think it's cool and i actually think you know um because ne- netflix also has more of the sciencey stuff too they have big blue blue planet and i don't know just you know ran- random stuff like that and i will be happy to see more of on hbo expand the content and a lot of times people will follow so we'll, we'll see what happens man yeah you know the, the the goal i guess should be variety right you know mm-hmm. try to try to hit as many different audiences and segments you know that you possibly can and this opens it up a whole lot you you mentioned some of those networks like tlc and and hgtv like these mm-hmm. channels they have their audience that is loyal they have oh, stuck HGTV, with them be huge huge i mean we're talking like we talked about reality tv earlier with netflix i mean hgtv Mm -hmm. like these are the these are kind of the 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 kings of reality television at this point they still put out stuff that a lot of people watch and tap into and Mm -hmm. so if you get those people to sign up i i agree this is a good move from a user experience to merge the two um i think it it's probably just a necessary move that had to happen again if they want to be yeah. competitive with the the other big ones, Netflix and Disney. At this point, they they have to do something to 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 you know shorten the gap in between the two because right now the gap mm-hmm. is pretty significant. And I, you know, ultimately, well, I, I think you know this, this big corporate shit being involved in it all it has so many implications across the board. But I also think that you know all of this any of these streaming services you're only going to be as good as the as the as the stuff that you produce as the the movies mm-hmm. and the television shows that you have mm-hmm. a part of your library you're only going to be as good as that so if the yeah. stuff isn't good it doesn't matter how many networks or how many companies you have underneath it like people have to want to see it you know and i think mm-hmm. obviously disney is perfected that they basically said like oh yeah give us every fucking thing from your childhood and we'll make money off of it netflix <laughs> has been all things for all people and it's worked. They've just mm-hmm. done everything in abundance. Like let's just give a lot to everybody. And that's worked for them. Um, and it looks like HBO is trying to tap into somewhat of a middle ground between that. Like they absolutely have gone. I think they've gone for the people that really love their brand. And obviously they love, you know, film history and, and television and what they've been, you know, producing for the past 40 plus years. But they also need to understand like, yeah, we have to, we have to tap into a wider audience but even before that, too, I think that they also have to. He talked about the identity crisis with with AT and T. Uh, Warner Media also has identity crisis. I think at this moment, oh, and yeah. they need to figure out what the fuck their brand is and what they're trying to say because mm-hmm. the whole rollout of HBO Max was clumsy. They need to figure something out to really get people to understand what is it like, what exactly is this, and what do we have? You know, because they've yeah. uh, they've not done the greatest job at that. I don't think so. I think that there probably could be more done on that on that regard, but. Ultimately, this is probably going to be a really beneficial move for them in the long run. We might not see the effects of it in the, you know, even in the next few months. This will probably take years to to really understand what this means. But um, good long term move. Makes sense. So Mm -hmm. we'll see how it all shapes out. The streaming wars continue, of course. But 
that is it that we have for y'all this week that's all we got we are officially down and out for this week's episode of two black nerds thank y'all as usual for tuning in each and every week and tapping into all of the latest and greatest in the world of pop culture fandom and entertainment we will be back next week to talk about a new movie that i know we're both really really excited about Zack snyder's latest film army of the dead which is going to be coming out on netflix and we're going to be doing something special for that ain't we uh two black nerds movie night is back we've had a couple weeks break i believe in between now um and monster on netflix but this friday may the 21st we'll be watching army of the dead on netflix again that is 10 p.m eastern time 9 p.m central uh it should be a good time man this movie looks fucking crazy to me shout out <laughs> you know it looks crazy I, the cast looks great Zack snyder is gonna do what he always comes to do whatever that is um <laughs> so it, it looks like a good time man but um you know it 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 grab your popcorn because it looks like one of them man it looks like we're gonna have a lot of fun with this movie definitely um, should be fun i i think i think anytime you're talking about zombies and the fact that like it's also a heist movie it seems like it's like yeah oh, yeah this is perfect and we got zombie tigers like and they're smart shit. zombies too like smart yeah kind of yeah they smart zombies that's just scary yeah definitely uh, exact white walkers exact- in his home <laughs> And Zach, Zach know what he's doing in this space, of course, as yeah. well. He did Dawn of the Dead back Dawn of in the Dead, one of my favorites, bro. Yeah, yep, so this, should, this should be good. Can't wait for it. Absolutely, man. With that being said, we are Audi 5000. Appreciate y'all, man. Love y'all. Thank you for listening to and tuning to another episode of Two Black Nerds, where we're too black, too nerdy. And we out, y'all. Peace. We make their mamas cry. I pray that my past ain't ahead of me, Twin. When I'm in love, I love heavenly. Oh God. If you betray me, you dead to me, Twin. I disrespect you respectfully, Straight I got some partners who left this earth. Maybe the pain made a better one, oh God. Just know that they secrets is kept with me, oh God. I feel like the streets is in debt with Straight me, up. I gave my heart away to all the doll hoes, cause that's who it's set to me, Twin. I blame my pops for that shit, cause if he didn't fail, he could've corrected me, Twin. Give out the props to my mama, cause no matter what, she always protecting me, oh God. I promise you it ain't no checking me, oh God. Jump in the water, get wet with Straight me, Twin. You want my money, I wanna have sex with me Can't let the arts of the law get the best of me I get the answer and you get the test of me I see chicken, you niggas is breasting me Planted a seed, but it ain't a sesame Can't let you niggas or bitches grow next to me My life is all I have My rhymes, my pen, my pad And I done made it out to struggle, don't judge me What you saying now won't budge me Cause where I come from so often People you grow with laying in a coffin But I done made it through the pain and strife It's my time now, my world, my life, my life